VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Max will help you right over there. Well, how may I help you this evening? We have it all. The best selection of videotapes in Santa Carla. Is it true that uh, Santa Carla is the murder capital of the world? Well, there are some bad elements around here. Are you telling me that we moved to the murder capital of the world? Tonight we're talking Lost Boys on the VHS Files. Hello everyone, welcome back to the VHS Files and welcome to our official start of Friday Night Fright Fest where we're going to be bringing you guys horror movies every Friday through the month of October. So Spooky! It's time to get it started. It's It's spooky season! Spooky season. So I'm Josh, I'm your host. I'm Jenny Lou. Jason from the great state of Texas. I'm Eric. <laughs> and tonight we are going to talk a vampire movie. Does everybody like vampires? Blah, 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 blah. I don't love vampires, honestly. But <laughs> oh, come on, dude. What? This is a hot take right out of the gate. <laughs> right like this. There are some great vampire movies. Yes. Oh, yes. Great. But there's a lot of bad oh, ones. Yes. Too. So tonight the vampire movie we're going to be watching... It's going to be not Dracula. <laughs> I love Josh's Romanian accent. Oh, man. He couldn't wait long. all hot one. and bothered right there, man. <laughs> Tonight we are talking the teenage vampire movie Lost Boys. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. <laughs> notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Lost Boys was released on July 31st, 1987, amongst the likes of Predator, Full Metal Jacket, Robocop, Jaws the Revenge, La Bamba. Best Jaws. <laughs> and Adventures in Babysitting. Another childhood that's a, that's favorite of ours. Great movie. So it was directed by Joel Schumacher, um, who had recently come off doing St. Almost Fire, which got him a lot of clout in the filmmaking industry. And then he would go on to do movies like Flatliners and Batman Forever and Batman Ooh, and Bat Robin. Nipples. Bat, Bat nipples. nipples. Joel Schumacher, Bat and, Nipples. Um, the one that got a bunch of Oscar buzz, A Time to Kill, which is a very good movie. Yes. So, had a budget of $8.5 bucks and did a total box office of $32.2 million. So, But again, we're back in 1987 for this go-around. So, Eric, take us back in time. We're sending you back in time. <gasps> Whoa, this is heavy. Well, Josh, we're talking about The Lost Boys this week, but in uh, 1987, no movie could stand up to the juggernaut. That was three men and a baby. The bank, two hundred forty million dollars with a budget of eleven million. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. It was a great year for cartoons. We were introduced to The Simpsons on the Tracy Ullman Show. We had the debut of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, and Ducktales, and Josh's favorite, Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs. <laughs> Uh, Let's have a bunch of classic theme songs. This is everything for me not to start singing on. (laughs) Uh, Big albums that year were U2's Joshua Tree and Michael Jackson's Bad. Uh, The biggest song of the year was also Jason's favorite song and current ringtone, 
uh, walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> Damn, scampy. Do the bangle. He loves it. And then President Ronald Reagan gave his famous tear down this wall speech in West Berlin, which coincidentally is Jenny's favorite Reagan speech. And finally, the antidepressant Prozac makes its debut in the U.S., effectively eliminating any and all sadness forever. No. Sorry. That were true. Unfortunately, we live in 2020. Do they have one huge Prozac pill for us all to eat at one time? Maybe chase it with some vodka. Can you just put it in the water supply at this point? I mean, okay. This podcast is to get us out of that funk. So to continue. All right. And uh, a couple of things I noted was uh, in <laughs> Boy George was banned from a British TV show for being, quote unquote, a bad influence. Too mm. <laughs> gay. Kylie Minogue released the hit, The Locomotion. Wow. Mm-hmm. And Jason will respect this. Oh, oh. Big album of this year was Guns N' Roses released Appetite for Destruction. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the jungle, baby. You're going to die. <laughs> Another one of those childhood things. That album got me through being a, a, a child. So I had to mention that one. But So that was it for 1987. We're going to get into Lost Boys. Um, starring Jason Patrick, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, the two Corys, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, and Jamie Gertz, who I'm definitely going to be talking about here in a little Josh's, bit. Josh's... Uh... So. Love of his life besides Jenny right there. <laughs> or his childhood love of his life. <laughs> so uh, let's just get right into the nitty gritty. Uh, first time watches and any kind of memories we have of the Lost Boys going into this, Jenny? I don't think I saw this movie until high school. Mm. Um, because, as I've said before, I wasn't allowed to watch scary movies. And... Uh, I definitely would not have been allowed to watch this. So I probably watched this like on TV in high school. I don't remember distinctly watching it, but. Was there anything in particular that you took from it when you saw it? Like what made an impression or is it just one that you ended up seeing a bunch of times? I think I just ended up seeing it a bunch of times. I don't have, you know, it wasn't one of those that I actively sought out to watch yeah. over and over. Um, but I enjoyed it enough to watch it multiple times. Let's uh, let's skip over to Eric. We'll not go non-traditional style. Eric, you know, you got any fondness of this one? Shocking development there. Uh, <laughs> well, I uh, no, I don't. I don't. I'm similar to Jenny. I don't think I saw this till high school when I started really. Uh, just watching every horror film I could possibly get my hands on. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the thing that sticks with me from this film is, uh, is um, Tim Capello on the saxophone mm. and pretty much that, that segment, um, which kind of jumping ahead, but that's this movie, the, the, the pier to me, yeah. but yeah. Jason, how about you? Oh, I don't. I can't even remember what I saw, but I know I saw it as a, a young kid. You know, because I mean, obviously my mom let me watch anything back then. Didn't matter the blood and gore or anything like that. But I know she liked because she liked vampire movies. So uh, I remember watching it a few times. I, it was something that I think we. I actually might have seen like on the HBO movie of the week. Mm-hmm. 
before actually seeing it from a rental store. Um, but I mean, definitely so many memorable moments in that movie. Just Kiefer's role as David is it's still one of the, I don't care. I mean, he was like Eric said earlier about the whole vampire thing is it was good. This is still a top three easily vampire movie in my life. I, yeah. I might have to agree with you there. I, I haven't really thought about re- ranking vampire yeah. movies, but it's but, definitely up there. Yeah, it's definitely up there for me. I mean, many memories of watching over and over. And then, of course, you know, as you get into the dating ages, you watch these movies with your girlfriends in junior high and high school and all that kind of stuff. And they're all just like, oh, it's the best little love story ever type thing. <laughs> and every girl you did had to have the cry little sister thing on like every cassette i think it, i can't i remember recording it off of the radio just so i could have the single so i didn't have to go buy it so yeah but great movie many memories through junior high and high school watching that so yeah i i, I gotta say watching it last night was it was watching it with kind of fresher eyes uh and, and sort of really picking it apart as opposed to just the entertainment value i got out of it when i was a kid this is a really damn good vampire movie just straight up it's a good movie yeah, and yeah it's just a good movie I, here, again know. same same as you i you know watching it with a more critical eye this time um it the pacing is great mm-hmm. uh the the i i love the the um the atmosphere yeah uh, of course of the not just the uh the the pier but a, a lot of the nighttime shots with with you know, spotlights and yeah. Smoke there's a couple things of sh- like that. There's there, some pretty cool stuff in there. Yeah, there's a couple of shots in particular that I actually wrote notes about that I want to go over whenever we get to them. Um, I think Jason brought up a good point that you know, not only are we the you know VHS era people, we're also cable TV kids. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I would have to attribute a lot of what I watched, and this is probably one of those cases to stuff that was just on HBO that you found on a whim. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't remember my mom really being that you know big into into this movie. Uh, I'm sure she did once she you know once we started watching it a bit. But um, this is I gotta say I'd probably attribute this one to a cable watch for sure. Yeah. And as far as <laughs> I'll go ahead and start with this. Like this was one of those movies when I was a kid where I had my first like boy girl thing, and it was Jamie Gertz in this movie. <laughs> and uh, you know, Boy as we're watching, <laughs> you know, you even describe it like a child. <laughs> but I, I, at you know, I, I probably would have been eight, eight or nine when I saw this because I definitely wouldn't have seen it when it first came out. But at eight or nine, when that like that was one of the first girls I saw. On Josh movie felt some feelings like, he hadn't felt before. I was like, wow, this is like this. little baby boner for Josh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but there you have it. <laughs> Sex comes, talk with Ginny Browning. <laughs> a new episode on, of the VHS Files. She comes on the screen and it's like Dream Weaver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was Wayne in Wayne's World at that point when I was a kid. Well, Jason and, Patrick feels the same way when he sees her. Yeah, yeah. So, but that, that drew we, me into this along with the premise of it. So, I mean, what were you going to say, Eric? Well, I, I I'm just saying, should we start? at the beginning because to me the first three seconds of this movie yeah when that music hits and you yeah. oh. the music in this is amazing absolutely and that that choir song that what like mm-hmm. with the children's choir what, yeah. i don't know what that song's called but 
it's, shalt not kill I, I or didn't, something. I, don't know. I didn't write the name of it down, but yeah, and it's the it's the choir I mean, kids. That thing, you know where you're at immediately. Yeah. Boom. That and that nice drops. that nice helicopter shot going over the water yes. and, and going over to the amusement park. It it opens in such a great way. And the and the movie doesn't slow down from that point, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, you you start and they're heading into Santa. Yeah. What's it called? Santa it Carla called? in the movie. Carla, but it's Santa Cruz yep. in real life. Yeah, because yeah, Santa Carla. But real. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you you they drop you right into it. Yeah, immediately. And, and you know, you get this opening scene, which I think they set up so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they introduce you to a lot of people right here at the, at the, at this part, but not your main characters. And I think they open this up with a bit of mystery for everybody. I can, I can imagine, you know, if you didn't see any promo for this or if it wasn't highly over, over publicized with trailers and stuff like that, like we'd get nowadays, you may go into this at the beginning thinking, oh, these, these vampire, these flying mystery, flying killers could be anybody we just saw on that merry-go-round i think they do well with that like it could be it could be the Kiefer sutherland's crew it could be the others i mean it's just you see that they have this beef with the security guy so and the way that plays out in the scene when they fly in and get him and the door rips off the car is a great way to draw the audience in but yeah, they and- get somebody else in the very opening shot right no that's the opening shot of the movie Jane, well, did you wa- did you watch this movie? I did. I <laughs> <laughs> I was asleep through the current opening. <laughs> My notes are very succinct, so um, I don't have a lot of background in them. Uh, the perspective is so cool, though. Like, yeah, first person. Well, yeah. I, I, this was one of the biggest takeaways. The yeah, yeah, this is the, one of the biggest takeaways for me watching it this time. Was I kept thinking of Sam Raimi. Um, yeah, yeah. You know the 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 POV uh, stuff, but also later there's some other things that I, there's multiple times that give me Evil Dead Raimi vibes throughout this movie. Yeah, I and can that see was that. One. I didn't even think about that to be honest with you, but now that you say it, it makes makes total sense. But I, I think that's what makes this movie so work so well is the POV shots, and again, like we talked about with Ghostbusters, they did a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we're back to stuff that they did with lights and fans, lights and fans, and just camera so work. <laughs> yeah, my main thing is is uh, I know uh, Richard Donner is just the executive producer on this, but what is his fascination with beaches and waterfront? Because remember, we talked about it in Goonies. That's a beach town. Yeah, and uh, was it? He does leave the weapon too. Uh, Riggs lives on the beach. Yeah. And here, this whole movie is set on the coastline. I'm like, what was it? it had to, and he was that Richard Donner. Just he's like, I want to go to the beach after shooting my Superman movies in the 70s. I just want to spend time at the beach. So stay let's, close to home. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, well, he was attached as, as director here initially, right? Yeah, originally. Uh, yeah. yeah, he and, wanted to make a Goonies vampire movie, basically, and they were right. like, no, let's yeah. not have eight year old well, vampires. Well, no, they they liked the idea of the movie. It's just. In the production of it and where everything fell, he ended up taking the Lethal Weapon job. So he was directing yeah. Lethal Weapon. He couldn't get Good call there. He couldn't um, go over to the Lost Boys, even though it was kind of something he spawned. Yeah, and that's uh, why a lot and, of the the eighties teen style stuff comes from yeah uh, Sh- Sh- Schumacher. Yeah, and and 
Schumacher's fairly new to the game at this point too. Like I oh, said yeah. in the opening, he he had just done Sam Saint Almost Fire and had gotten some clout with that and was working with the Brat Pack, so he was he had his foot in the door. But when they uh, when they brought this to him, I think they said they wanted it to be more kid friendly and he wanted to to spice it up some. Spice it up. Yeah, I I read that the Frog Brothers were supposed to be uh Boy Scouts in the original. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, eight-year-old script. kids or something. And, I think the vampire uh, so, was going to be in their early teens, like 12 and 13. I was like... One thing I, I did notice about this, since Kiefer Sutherland was just coming off of uh, Stand By Me, basically, before this, how there are... it, Just how much I noticed and didn't notice back then, but notice now, how they split the age groups up. Like, mm-hmm. you've got your older teenagers, and then you've got your you know, the, the younger side. So, and, and they're always in two different groups. And when they come together, everything meshes very well and, and works for the movie they're going for. So you got the same thing here with Sam and Sam and, and Michael, but Michael's part of the teen, the older teenagers. Mm-hmm. Sam's part of the younger. And we were, we were talking about this last night is like, how old is Sam in this? Because I don't think it ever yes, says I, this was going to come up because there's so much that leaves. <laughs> it's like, okay, if he's in high school, why the hell is he wearing these pajamas? It's, that was the it's as if they they it's as if they casted a fourteen year old for a role that was written for like an eight year old, right? And I guess that might actually be the case. Um, but it is odd the bathtub stuff, yeah, um, all that stuff. It does. It's like this doesn't feel quite <laughs> right, you know. Yeah, it, it makes me think of um, oh, what's his name? The, you know the baby from from Roger Rabbit. Yes. yes. Yeah. And he he films the shot like Corey Hames in the bathtub. He's like singing into his brush, and then they're like cut, and he like lights up a cigarette and goes and like bangs snorts two lines of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my next line. Well, this was where are my pajamas. This I was whiskey in my pajamas. <laughs> this was Corey Haim before he became the infamous Corey Haim. Yeah. Right. Uh, he was very very new to film at this point, and this is where he met Corey Feldman and how that whole relationship started. And he's great in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it I, works. I don't mean to to knock the performance. He's really likable and fun in this. I oh yeah, the, awesome. the performance is top notch. It's the it's the wardrobe that I have. Issues well, it's, with. yeah, it's some of the, right. some of the writing as yeah. well. Yeah, and I know I don't want to skip ahead, but we're since we're talking about him, that and the fact that he is a probably. I guess close to puberty or a right at puberty thing, and he's got a picture of sexy Rob Lowe on his wall. <laughs> I Not on really his wall, have on a, his closet. Yeah, it's yeah. on right there at the door. I mean, that's the first thing you see. So, and he's going to bed. He's looking we'll, across we'll the get room there. at Rob yeah. Lowe. So we'll I'm, get there. We'll get there. I so, I have some notes about pertaining. But I, I but I want to say I hate this song that's in the movie. Like, wait, that opening song? I hate it. Cry Little Sister? Yes. So they Okay, podcast over. <laughs> I'm done. I quit. Jenny. Three times in this movie, and it's terrible. It's the theme of it. the movie. It's terrible. Ooh. It's so Your opinion bad. Is wrong. I don't oh, well. This like podcast it. just took Ooh. a very nasty turn, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> what do you mean it's horrible? We apologize for getting some. just <laughs> drags on. That's the and point. I don't. Okay, it's it, it, slow. Okay, we're having an argument about a song. Here we go. Yes, go, Eric. Eric. I okay. To me, conceptually, <laughs> it ties in the 
the Victorian vampire stuff to yeah. the 80s pop culture thing. It, it, it is two sort of musical genres sort of sandwiched together. And maybe you don't like it, you know, that's fine. But I think it it's, sets the tough movie quite well. It, it sets the, I mean, without that song, it, this movie I actually think is a little different. Yeah. It yeah without that song, that. this movie is garbage. What? Almost. Yeah. I'm not arguing against the meaning of the song. I just, if you're talking about 80s songs and movies, this is not a good one. Like to be okay. the song. That's just your opinion, man. It is. <laughs> I don't like it. All right. Well, so. All right. Moving on. Little on air argument over a song. My first note. Wow. I'm actually, well, yeah, it was my first note too, how great it was. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, well, let's just, let's go back because we're kind of jumping all over the place here. Um, the, I love the, the intro to Santa Carla. Is that where you're going? Yes. The yes. intro to Santa oh, Carla. So the billboard, cool. the back of the billboard. Yeah. Uh, which Mur- apparently Santa world. Cruz was the murder capital at one point. They had uh, in the early 70s, they had some, like serial killers and a mass murder and like mm. multiple serial killers in the area. So, uh, so yeah, there's a little, you know, truth in that fiction. And, and, and I, I love the family dynamic. Again, yeah. you're getting a... Yeah. A single mom in a in a in an era where you know the sort of nuclear family is yeah kind of mm-hmm. not holding up so much and and it, and it's a great portrayal. I think they all feel like a family. The brothers feel like brothers. Uh, they you know it feels natural. It feels like a yeah. a pretty normal family for the most part. And you got Diane Diane Weist, who probably was the biggest star they got for this. If you really think about it, I think she had been. I mean Edward Herman. Uh, had probably I know he had done theater, but I don't know how many yeah. movies he had done. Yeah, I think Diane Reese, uh she'd already been nominated for some awards, yeah. so she probably came in with the most clout in this. But I love she's her as the mom. Yeah, I mean, she's yeah, great. she's great. she's so, so so you know trying to do what's best for her kids and, her, and herself and um, yeah, all her decisions are mom. natural. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you think about the 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 roles she's played the mom mm-hmm. in, like Footloose and Edward uh, She's great in that. Yeah. So. Parenthood. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love when they're coming into Santa Carla, though. And mom, what's that smell? It smells like someone died. <laughs> Again, just the conversation stuff that they get, they get to move the plot lines along and there's exposition without beating you over the head with it. Same thing with when they get into the town and you're driving around and seeing these people that populate Santa Carla. I love all the, all the, shots of of just people yeah. hanging out uh all the again, different kinds you're, of people yeah. you're yeah all different kinds of people and you're setting the tone immediately but punk is very in in santa carla yeah uh, yes it's it's a weird wave of punk you know mm-hmm. with what we'll get to with the concert with tim tim capello later and it's just this different hybrid style of the 80s pop and the punk and all of that um I love when the guys they're going through town and Michael's looking for a job. He asked the one guy if he's they know of anything. He's like nothing legal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the one thing I had to say about talking about movies like that. All right, they're coming into Santa Carla with 
that this is what California looks like. As me as a kid, that's what I. That's how I, that was my like one of my first ideas of what California looked like. Yeah, it's like that's what California looks like. Oh, okay. I mean, you're a kid. You don't know. I mean, I lived in Texas most of my whole life, so you're like, uh, wow. So that's what California looks like. <laughs> and then you're like, you got woods and beaches and everything. It's like, oh, I want to go there one day. Then wait, no, there's vampires there. I think I'll stay in Texas. Yeah, don't go to the murder capital with, of the world. Yeah, exactly. I'll hang stay out here in, with Leatherface. Yeah, with can, with right. murderous cannibal families. <laughs> <laughs> can't escape right. it really but i love the, the juxtaposition of going through the town and where we're going to set this movie and then you get to grandpa's house and this well, grandpa's grandpa. playing dead on the front porch which is wonderful a great Dude, intro like i didn't even take a note of this just because it still leaves this lingering thing in my brain but that is a terrible prank to pull on your family it really is at his age mm-hmm. it's like dude i thought you were really like i would have killed him well, it's the murder capital of the world, so it would have just fit in. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But then we wouldn't get all the great dialogue we get from Grandpa. He God, I is love the best girl. Grandpa. You know, in a lot of the movies we've been watching so far, we've got our pranksters, and I, I love Grandpa as the prankster. Eric, you got a little bit of a smirk on your face. What you don't was that think for? he's the best Grandpa? No, well, I, I think he's great in the movie and funny, although I, I think he could have been a little more helpful. <laughs> like we find out at the end oh he yeah. was great at the end he could have saved everyone a lot of trouble if he was just open about but i don't think it, it was an intention per se yeah well he drops hints all throughout the movie when they're talking to him you know yeah. <laughs> if all the corpses it's like in he Santa assumes they stand up at once we'd have <laughs> one hell of a population problem he, he it's like he assumes they already know or yeah. something which i want to talk about that when we get to the end of this movie because i've got a little bit of some questions or at least, or maybe some, some bones to pick with the way that they finish everything up. But other than that little bit of, of confusion that I have, I, I just, his, his presence in this movie makes it all that much better mm-hmm. for me. And don't you dare touch his root beer, his Oreos or the, anything on the second shelf. Yeah. I, I need to, I need to make shelf. a shelf in my fridge so yeah. that my kids don't eat my stuff because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a constant problem. Well, the problem is, is back then kids would abide by that. Nowadays, they have no respect. No respect. <laughs> they just violate all this stuff. But he, who reads the TV guide? Like- I used to. I did when I was a kid. I used to read the TV guide. <laughs> I do remember liking going through the TV guide and figuring out what was coming on. And they always had little articles in a lot of them, too. Like yeah, little articles, little games, or like little yeah. quizzes and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And don't dare rip God, the tag. you're the, such a hater the tag tonight. off there either. So. But, hate, hate, hate. But a great dialogue, again, that <laughs> tells you all you need to know about where these kids are. But his house is a great setting, and I love that that's where we end up having the final battle scene and mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get um, introduced to Nanook. Nanook. Beautiful dog. Maybe one of Siberian Huskies so bad. Or I, I, would love, I would love to have love one, it. but they shed so bad. Nanook is one of the greatest... Film dogs. Yeah. There. He's one of the so, heroes of the movie. He's, he's a hero. Oh, multiple times. Yes. Yeah. And you got you also have Thorn, which won't get as much praise as Nanook, but still a, an adorable still a dog. Great looking dog. No matter how bad you are, dogs are still cool. Right. I, I named one of my black labs Thorn because of this movie. And oh, Thorn. Oh, awesome. Back That's awesome. When I lived in Florida. <laughs> I named my daughter Nanook. <laughs> <laughs> Does she shed too? <laughs> yes, quite a bit. So we go to our first little 
thing in at, at, at the the fair out on the boardwalk and whatnot. And this is where we get the infamous Tim Capello and and Tom Capello. Is it Tim or Tom? Tom. Tim. Tom. No, it's and, Tim. Tom. Um, Tim. It's Tim. Tim. Tom. Tim. Tom. So. Uh, Get it right. I never would have thought this guy would be so synonymous with my life. Just in this <laughs> in movie, vampires. in this movie, because he, it's one of those things that you think of Lost Boys, you think of that scene in, in him because he strikes such a, a he vivid steals picture. He the leaves show. an impression. Yeah. Yes, he steals the yeah. show. We're supposed to be caring about Michael and Star oh. and what's going on, <laughs> but you just cannot look away from that hunk of man with, i still that, believe oil and i legitimately like that song like i like that song yeah straight up that's a better no song. irony anywhere i <laughs> i just like it and he is still in the music business today and uh if if you've listened to our first episode my staff pick for the first episode was a band called gunship and he is actually featured on some of their songs playing saxophone and whatnot in, in their music mm-hmm. and and which fits perfectly because they're such this throwback to that style of music back in those days. And I honestly, it fit the song that they put it in so well when I first heard it that I thought, well, they're just copying this. But no, when you go through and look, he actually played saxophone on it. He was uh, Tina Turner's saxophone player. So he was known as a musician, not an actor. But they well, him yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's done some other acting too, because just in preparation for this, I I looked up a video that was sort of a montage. It was this. It was that song, the "I Still Believe" song, uh, but it 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 had a montage of different things, and it looked like some footage of him acting in another movie. He had a gun. He was like in a gunfight shooting a gun. Hmm. Uh, it also had some pretty intense gyrating on stage. He was grinding up on some background dancer girl and yeah and they just keep playing this on a loop like grind grind anyway he's <laughs> an interesting character bodybuilder you know it was like it was like what if you know what if uh what was that guy's name <laughs> ah forget it while eric was having his Dreamweaver moment with tim capello or tom capello <laughs> tim capello tim. Nobody knows. I was, his name is Tim. I was having my Dreamweaver moment with Star. Yeah. I, I can completely relate to Michael in this instance. Uh. But I don't I and I don't I don't even really know what it was. She's real pretty. She's very pretty. Very, very pretty. Yes. Pretty lady. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's a shame that she didn't go on to do a lot more things, in my opinion. She does. She is fairly popular for another movie that I'm not quite quite too keen on her for. But. <laughs> and so we go from this great concert to them chasing Star around. And what does Sam find but a comic book store? A comic book store. A real comic book store that yes. is actually still open, apparently. Really? Nice. Yeah. Um, I love it, right? I love it. I love the comic store, of course, because... I love comics. We're all a bunch of comic nerds we, here. We all grew up with comics, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, and also I love that they are kind of playing with the horror comic, which, you know, mm-hmm. for people that don't read comics, kind of predates the superhero thing. It was yeah. more like horror stuff, and, and we just inject that right into this movie or vice versa. I'm, I'm not sure which, but um, it was just fun to be there. We also get a... a a video store in this movie. So yeah. Oh, Max's cool. video store. Yeah. 
little VHS files plug there. Got a video store (laughs) in the movie. Just for us, right? Yeah. (laughs) I was going to bring that up over here when we get to it, but I, I, and then we get introduced to the Frog Brothers, which are great. It's almost as if, it's almost as if Corey Feldman from the Goonies, when they had, it's it's like this alternate universe where in the Goonies they had to leave their house. So Corey Feldman's mouth character moves to California <laughs> and starts working in a comic book store. Oh, he talks way less than mouth. Well, maybe he had some instances with vampires that made him not want to talk so damn much. I don't think he smiles once in the entire movie. Well, that's what <laughs> they told him to go for. super serious. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, Joel you know, Schumacher told Corey Feldman, your character is Rambo. Right. And, and for real, for, like, that's what he said. So Corey Feldman went and got a bunch of Rambo movies, and he was like, this is your character. You play it like this. I mean, he even wears the bandana at the end, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes sense, yeah, doesn't it? And, and it he does. speaks. It's hilarious. <laughs> he's basically doing a Schwarzenegger impression or a Stallone impression. Excuse me. Uh, you can cut that out later. Uh, <laughs> nope. He, he he does a Stallone impression, and I don't love it. I don't. I kind of wish he would just use his regular voice. Uh, and and apparently, you know, I mean, that's all you know the direction he was given. So yeah. He, he did it. I, I I still love this movie, but that is one thing I. But I I, I think they do good here with introducing us to them, and then Sam is this outsider, and you instantly get this feeling like they're gonna, you know, they do kind of play with him and pick on him a little bit for being this fish out of water, and but he comes in and schools him on comic book stuff, mm-hmm. which I think is great, and it's a great and, way. And this to, is a time when a lot of people didn't know comic books. Right. Important to remember, it was such a small. You didn't have a massive comic con every year. It right. was, mm-hmm. you know, it was such a a small underground kind of thing, really. So, yeah, for a kid to roll in and school somebody on their own uh, organization is exactly don't put the, the Batman's with these and get your Superman timelines right. That's Come right. on, bro. Yeah, and I love. I'm I'm guessing after watching this last night, I've noticed that they cut to the two old people leaning against the TV multiple times mm-hmm. more than I've ever noticed them do it before. And I'm guessing that's supposed to be the frog brothers parents, Yeah, but, it's their but they're literally laying in the same position. Every time you cut were to those, them at that TV, I thought those were like dummies or something. I didn't know those were yeah, actually people. supposed to be people. Are I, those think, spo- I, I think thought they were like decoration. No, I think they're people. I think, I Dude, completely I understand back. why you think that, though, because I they, they don't, don't move. move. They, they don't, don't move speak. at all. Now that's everybody funny. needs to go. Why back are and they watch called it? the Frog Brothers? Do we know? Does that's I their last name? Is their last name is Frog? Is it? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the oh. in the credits, they are called. Uh, was it Edgar? Frog? Edgar and Alan Frog. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. And they get more into that in sequels to this movie. Yeah. But uh, never mind. We're not talking about that. Can we not talk about it? <laughs> it may come up later. Um. So, but yeah, I, I love the comic book store stuff. It's a great setting. And then that gives us another lead into the next kill, which is the, the couple in the car. I love the way they set this up. Mm-hmm. And I love the way it shot again with the POV. That red light. Yeah. That big red light. I, I mean, and they, they use that again. Um, yeah. The, this is this is another scene that feels Ramey-ish to me, the the, the sort of uh, the sort of like uh, very fast moving camera, yeah, you know, like zoom, like almost like a, and and it's kind of handheldy, like shaky, mm-hmm. 
it just feels very kinetic and very just like as the roof rips off and it, you you get that POV shot just like zooming in on them real quick. Yeah. Totally Evil Dead-ish. Yeah, and the, I love that the whole roof of the car gets ripped off and and the reaction to it, the actress in, in that scene really reacts to it very well. Like, I oh, believe dude. that she's scared to death. Mm-hmm. I still believe. I still believe. <laughs> <laughs> He's here all week, folks. Well, just so I'm not talking about Sam Raimi the whole time, I just also want to point out that when we we get in, in this movie, the, the, the vampires sort of transform into a monstrous version of mm-hmm. themselves, right? Yeah. Um, which I think was kind of a, a a new thing for vampire movies as well, like when they sort of vamp out, you know, yeah. as they say in this movie. Um, but when they do that, you get this sort of like, quick close-up with the fan in their face and bright lights. And it yeah. reminds me of the deadites. When, yeah. when, when you see the deadites and they're just like pop up and just like, and they're just like right in the middle of the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so like all that just felt so similar. And yeah. I, I was even online. And the, and the makeup, and like, I mean, I, the makeup's a big part of it too, with the exaggerated yeah. cheekbones and around the eye yep. sockets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like when Ash starts to go deadite a little bit, and yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just so similar. I'm thinking this has to be, and I'm looking online. Nobody's talking about it. I'm like, am I crazy? I don't know. No, you're not. And I think the reason I hadn't thought of it very much is just because I, I haven't seen the evil dead movies as much as I have this one. This one was mm-hmm. definitely more of a, a lead yeah. into my horror than the evil dead series. Well, we need to get to evil dead two sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a, this is still it's fresh on your mind. going to be a fun one to talk about. <laughs> I really love the look of them as vampires though. Yeah. Like it's one of those sort of in between just the regular person, but with fangs now and maybe different right. Just like eyes. exaggerated fe- features, like, sunken eyes, yeah. cheekbones. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. between that and like full blown monster. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that first time you see, uh, a Kiefer. Yeah. Is, pretty scary it's a good scare it's a great mm-hmm. reveal yeah. yeah the way they mm-hmm. set that whole scene up or that shot um so we end up leaving the comic book store and whatnot and you see star rides off with david and his crew of hooligans and we <laughs> we go back to grandpa's house for a brief moment and he has Sam if he wants to go into town with him. <laughs> Dude, that is one of the funniest things. That's why I love Grandpa, man. Yeah. I, I love that whole exchange. Let's go to town. That's as close to town as I like to get. It's it's so funny. I, that, I still laugh out loud whenever I see that scene. That car is sweet, though. I think it's an old yeah. Ford Fairlane. I think so. Ooh. If you're a car person. Man, it's with the, pretty. I think it's a hardtop roof, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, so pretty. But during all the stuff at the <coughs> at the boardwalk, the concert at the boardwalk, we were also introduced to Max through um, Diane Weiss' character. The, the uh, she's looking what, for a what's job. What's her mom? What's their mom's Lu- name? Her name is Lucy. Lucy. And, yeah. Okay. Which is, it's so weird that her name is Lucy. Think back. All yeah. the vampire. Lucy is such a used name in anything to do with Dracula vampires. Lucy is a just yeah. used name through any kind of vampiric type movie. But like. <laughs> Like Jason brought up earlier, she, we're introduced to her through through Max, and Max owns a video store. Mm-hmm. And did you guys notice that all the videos in there were in the hard shell cases and had the 
Oh yeah. The, like the vintage VH, like the, just not the, not the poster art. It was just like a still from the movie. movie. Right. I love that aesthetic <laughs> of the old VHS movies. Love it. So that's enough. Yeah, they were like a, a template from the producer or yeah. something. Right. So you'd have like a, you know, same frame around every, you know, every yeah. box. That, yeah. And I love that you're seeing all this promotion, promotional art and stuff for other movies in the background. Cardboard cutouts and trailers and yeah, yeah. All yeah that National stuff. Lampoons is there. I seen mm-hmm. that one. That now uh, we have a red ki- box. Ki- the Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah. <laughs> and supposedly there's a poster on the wall of Once Bitten Jim Carrey's vampire movie. Was that even out then? I guess so because that's what Maybe they said. Was... The poster is on the wall behind Max, and I missed it. I guess it's just a really quick thing. That's so, funny. I, I kept going back. Maybe it was I'm just. It. Maybe it wasn't out then. Maybe it was just. I think promo it was. Material. So, I know Jason and I saw this a long time ago, and probably don't recall what our first thoughts. I mean, but with you guys that saw it later, like, what was your first? What, what was your first response to them introducing Max and where they go with him in this? Like, did you have any idea that he was involved with this? Not at all. No, I, I think I think if you suspect him after the dinner scene, you you kind of let your guard down on him, which is nice that they kind of tease him and then kind of eliminate him as a suspect. And then it turns out he actually is. I think that's a nice yeah. way to kind of play with it a little bit. Yeah. It's Jason, like, he's you, the red herring and the the guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Jason, do you remember having like, do you, you're, you're that guy that always figures things out. So did you have him <laughs> figure, figured it, figured I also it out? I can't remember you? as a kid, but as I, I mean, remember seeing the movie, you know, but it was one of the things I don't think I probably figured it out immediately as a child. It was just, you always thought there was something weird. It's like, well, okay, why are we seeing this guy? Why are we seeing him so much? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I know she's trying to date him, but we're really pushing this guy. And then the whole, like you said, the scene we'll get to later of the dinner and everything. And then, I mean, knowing vampire movies, I did think it was weird, which is a scene later about Thorn. Yeah. And it's daytime and it's funny. Why didn't he why wasn't he coming to the door? Why is this dog protecting him? So right. We'll get to that right. later. And I think invite. that may have hinted me to something, but I really don't think right off the beginning that I thought, oh well, this guy is a, he's a vampire. Yeah. I mean, so. as far as who done it's go it's hard when you have a movie like this where there aren't that many characters really. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the film's strengths that there aren't a lot of characters to get messy and stuff like that. Yeah. But if yeah. I think it, you know. And this I is think, not a mystery. This movie is it, not a mystery movie. It just has a little mystery in it. Right. But I you think at this saying? point, I think at this point, you know, coming like go, going off of a first watch of this, I think at this point when they re- introduce us to Max and everything, we're still in that zone where we're not sure who it could be that's yep. doing all this stuff. Oh, definitely. I mean, he he sees the the gang and he tells them, I told you not to come in here, which is a great double, double line, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But it does make you think, like, oh, he—they're—they're they're a pain in his butt too. He, they come into his store and mess around, and mm-hmm. you know, they're just hoodlums on the boardwalk, kicking them off the carousel, get out of my video, you know, my little video store. Yeah. So that's a good way to do it. They're kind of playing it off, but you know, you think it's kind of weird because they're watching him talk to Lucy, and you know, you watch it now, and you're like, you kind of see that there's an interaction between them. And they're, he's trying to play it off, so yeah. and you're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, now if I would have paid more attention when you were a kid, which back then you're just waiting for the vampires to show up. So yeah. you didn't really think about all the angles and the little eye movements and facial expressions. You know, you're like, oh, but you see it now, you're like, oh yeah, he's definitely yeah. tied into them somehow. 
so we go back to the boardwalk, and Michael decides that he needs to be like these people that Star's hanging around with. Michael's <laughs> motivations here, I, I, I understand he's a teenager or... I don't know if he's supposed to be a teenager. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to be in, in high school. I think he's like 18-ish, 17, yeah. 17, 18. Okay. And then, yeah. I, but I understand why he follows her. Of course, he's interested. They mm-hmm. share a look or whatever. Um, but he does not stop. At any, he gets so many red flags along the way. Right. And we don't really totally establish why he's so driven here. Because I could tell you It's to the point. Well, I, I <laughs> like I said, it starts that way, but like she's literally at one point telling him not to do some of this stuff. Yeah. And he's doing it anyway. And it's like, well, she's right there. Well, the focus starts to shift. Yeah. And there there are some some people think and I I can see why anyway, uh that there are like some some gay undertones to this movie. Yeah. Um Well, I mean it is a Joel Schumacher film. He is an openly gay director. So, oh, is he? I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah. So, well, that there, there's that. And, you know, a, apparently there are a few reasons, and I'll just touch on them. Um, <clears throat> the way the vampires dressed was yeah. very similar to the gay club underground style of the time, apparently. I, mm. I don't know this because I was a child. But, um, uh, you know, you've got the Rob Lowe poster on the closet. Um, the bath scene, I don't have a man <laughs> song he's singing. Uh, the gang is not at all interested in Star. It, right. They, they have her seemingly captive or something like that. They never pay much attention to her other than, you know, using her to get Michael. Okay. Um, there's some kind of weird sexual tension with David and Michael, I think. And, <laughs> and, and I, 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 especially in the, in the, the vampire den, okay, in the hotel or whatever that is, the yeah. sunken hotel, there is a giant, giant painting or mural of Jim Morrison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we had some good doors in this, too, part of the great soundtrack. Uh, but so we get a, a montage, kind of a trippy montage, when he drinks David's bodily fluids. Yeah. Uh, and... It's fading from Jason Patrick's face to Jim Morrison's face and back to J. And I just wonder is David using Star to recruit Michael? David seems well, so focused on recruiting Michael. Yeah. And I wonder. And I is, wrote this down in my notes there? too because I, I had a question. Jason, you, you wanted to say something. Yeah. Uh, well, the whole thing about Michael tracking down uh, Star, well, you think about it, what we've always known through all the. Uh, vampire movies of the past and everything because i mean star what you may learn we learn later that she's not full-blown but she is vampiric that vampires put off this aura that draws people to them like this you're you're immediately just in and you know engulfed with this lust that you must have them so that's what it was and that's what i'm thinking it is is falling around (laughs) but that's why they brought i think brought her in is because now we have a female you know the whole lost girls type thing which that's nothing we can talk about later but they're trying to have they need someone to draw these young men in either as food or as right. recruitment into our army or whatever like that <laughs> yeah and but that's i think that's why his infatuation is it's that vampiric aura that's drawing him into her that's and he a great point jason he can't that's a great away. point and 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 
the vampire lawyer is all, all about sex. Yeah. It's all yes. about lust. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and so, you know, we're, we're sort of, we've got a lot of things going on here well, under get, the surface. You on the top, kinda... you, you've got a fun eighties movie, but there's a lot kind of swirling around yeah. underneath that, that is, and to be honest, you guys bringing that up like kind of low subtext, like it's under there, not necessarily like some of the stuff is like, yeah, that's, that's kind of this way, but I, yeah, I, I think he couldn't maybe push it as far as he wanted to maybe because of the time or. Yeah. The, I mean, you guys you know. bringing that up kind of clears, almost gives me a, a, an answer to, you know, I was always like, you know, star is vampiric and there was this exchange between them later that, she says, you know, uh, David wanted you to be my first kill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you make a good point that there's this shift. Like if they, if they were, if he was interested in star becoming a vampire and having Michael be the victim, why did they suddenly shift their, shift their look, their, their look towards, uh, towards Jason Patrick's character or towards Michael. Michael. Um, Cause I, I noticed that this time for, for like with a big red flag, it's like, wait a minute, Star is is in the same boat, but won't. I don't know if it's that she won't kill or whatnot, but they want her to kill Michael at some point, but then they shift their interest to Michael. Mm-hmm. So that makes that that gives good background to that. I think is she? Yeah, just, I mean, David seems David. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Da- yeah, David. I'm losing track. Uh, David seems to me, very focused on getting Michael, you know, yeah. he says Michael a thousand times. By the way, they say Michael over a hundred times in this movie. Wow. Yes, I was about to just more than that, yeah. one a minute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it seems like David's biggest motivation in this film is to get Michael in his gang. One thing I did notice when he's courting star and they're walking to the, to, uh, to the bikes and stuff. And uh, they're asking, you know, he's a, he asks her name and she says star and he says, Oh, your folks too, huh? And she has a reaction to him saying that very, like very hard reaction. And I never really noticed this before, but they play up all this thing where the missing kids in town and there's missing mm-hmm. posters everywhere. And I never caught that when Michael brings up her folks, she has this like, look about, are you looking for me? Like, like she, she thinks that he might be like, be connected to her parents trying to find her or something like that. Like it's very brief, but, but I, I did, I did kind of see it differently this time. Or maybe they're dead. Maybe. I don't know. Well, changing the focus on this. All right. We're we're all into the sexualization of everything here, but who as a young boy did not want to go and have a dirt bike after that scene. Oh God. When they're leaving the boardwalk and they're chasing each other. I, I want to like, go buy a dirt bike right now. Yeah, I, I watched it, you know, uh, earlier today again, and I'm like, I really want a dirt bike now. But as a kid, I mean, especially growing up out here in the woods, I wanted a dirt bike so bad. And their dirt bikes look fantastic. And it's like, and then you had Michael and his little bitty one. And he's like, "There's no way I can, you know, outrun you." And he said, "Well, just try to play keep up, you know." And then they do the whole chicken thing, trying to see if he'll drive off the cliff. You know, they yeah, test. Yeah. I think and that's what was like a test too. Maybe David was trying to test him. Well, let's see how far this guy will go. Or are we like chicken out? And then maybe if he's cool, well, we'll take yeah, him down Jason to the Jason Patrick is no chicken. He will do anything you tell him to do. And again, maybe it's that, it's that maybe it's persuasion that yeah. they're able to to use over him. But uh, the, the the dirt bikes are also cool because they're sort of modified and sort of skeletal. 
They yeah. almost feel like a, you know, like a gothic kind of skeletal mechanical, you know, ride. They're pretty cool. Yeah, and this is where I noticed some of the the framing and the the cinematography in this really stood out to me. Like the bridge. The well, not the bridge. I'm still oh, the, the, the motorcycle. We'll scene. get there. <laughs> when at the end of the motorcycle scene where they they kind of speed up the footage and they go towards and then you then you end up with um david and michael racing each other essentially but that shot when the camera pulls away and you just see the lights from the bikes fade out is a very like david lynch looking <laughs> pull away like i was thinking eraser head or something like that while that happened and then the shots they set up after that with you know Still to this day, the way they shoot that when Michael falls off of his bike, I don't, they shoot it in an angle where I'm not sure where they are. They're on a bluff. I get that. But the angles are shot from the ground going up. So you're only seeing the dark sky. Again, this might be something that had to do with budget. Yeah. Fog and smoke. It, 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 yeah. Again, the atmosphere is, you can't see anything other than them and the smoke or the fog, or I guess it would be fog. But, uh, yeah, that the, with with spotlights, you know, arguably the the headlights of the other, yeah, you know, bikes or whatever. But yeah, it, it, you can't see anything other than the characters, and they can't see anything either, which is you know, it's perfect. It's great. So, and, and then we're getting to a scene is the first time that I ever was even knew what Chinese food was. <laughs> Jenny hates this what? Scene. Okay, I... oh, hold on, hold on. Yes. You never heard of Chinese food until well, dude, what you think about it. This came out in 1987. I probably saw it like a year or so later. So I was probably like 10. But I, like I said, dude, I, I grew up in a small town here in Texas. It was right. hamburgers, steaks, and baked potatoes every day. Yeah. You know, funny. that's all you could eat around here. But I'm like, what are they eating? And then, of course, you know, later with the, the exchange that happens in there, you're like, I don't know if I really want to eat Chinese food anymore. Did it keep you from trying Chinese food? No, I tried it probably. It? I bet you I didn't even really eat Chinese food until I moved over to Florida. So I was in my 20s before I ever ate Chinese food for the first time. Oh, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't I don't recall having Chinese food that early. I think I think that was a fairly new thing on me, too. We had I Chinese remember. food when I was little. I, I think I did too. Yeah. Uh, but was it rice or was it maggots? Look, I did not watch this scene. I hate bugs as food. Like <laughs> Temple of Doom, baby. It's <laughs> so gross. Like, and I don't know if it's just because, as I've said before, I have a really active imagination. Um, like, I'm pretty sure something like this is the reason that I didn't like spaghetti until I was, like, 13. Mm. Because I just thought about worms. Or somebody might have said something about spaghetti being worms at some point. It's well, disgusting. That's interesting that you say that, that your imagination, because yeah, I can see that. I mean, if, if you're really, really imagining, I, it makes me think of... Uh, when I was a kid, my mom was eating a bowl of pops, you know, pops, the cereal, corn pops. Corn pops. Yeah. Are they corn pops? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, they're little, you know, they're little yellow, yellow. kind of unusual shape ball kind of things. And I, I remember saying, mom, those look like, uh, 
little little eggs like dinosaur eggs what if they cracked open and and there was like little bloody mucusy <laughs> oh god dinosaur embryos coming out of there and she like had to pour it out uh-huh because it just grossed her out so much yeah. you know for me i wouldn't bother me a bit i'd be like okay, your mom's are, bowl of pops bro these are corn pops no problem these are not clearly not eggs well um but you know i can see how that could you know be a thing that does lead into as many times as I've seen this movie, just seeing that scene for the shock value that it has of eating bugs or the notion of eating bugs or worms or something like that. This time I really noticed how much this is really just a big cat and mouse game. You know, they're fucking with him so that when it comes to him drinking the blood, he won't hesitate because, like, oh, well, they they fucked with me twice already. This this isn't going to be, you know, right. it's total manipulation. Yeah. I mean, this is this is an initiation process. This right. is hazing. Yeah, and Star even tells for, him. She tells him straight up, "It's blood," but he's not going to believe it now. He's like, "Yeah, right." You know, exactly. like the rice it's, was maggots. Yeah, this is right. Blood. It's a gang initiation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, they're setting they're setting up a lot of things, like with the scenes too, because, like you like you said a little while ago, Jason, that my, the motorcycle scene starts with David saying, "How far are you willing to go?" And well, he's willing to go this far and then they get him there and then it's okay. Can you take a leap of faith, which is the whole bridge scene, what that represents? Like you have to take a leap of faith that what you're doing with us is something that you've got to believe in. Again, stuff I've never thought about. But he doesn't even know what he's agreeing to. Because but that's so why we have to blame Star. Yeah. <laughs> but but by this point, Star isn't even around. It's 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 a pissing contest between him and David. It's yeah. he wants to sh- prove to David that he's as badass as he is or something. Yeah. Uh but uh now that we're at the bridge, I love that shot. That yeah. long shot of the bridge is amazing. And that's a real bridge. Mm-hmm. It's in Santa Clarita, about uh you know, a few hours away from there or whatever. Um incredible. The yeah. the hanging from the from the bars and then the thing goes over. Love I think you'd have to be a vampire to hang on to that. Like, can you imagine the upper body strength that it would take not only to hang from those bars, but to hang from those bars while a train is going overhead? The like, hard part's getting just, back up yeah. after you've been hanging yeah. there for. <laughs> I mean, but just the sheer force of the shaking. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to hold on. There's. Did no you way. try this, Jason? I was <laughs> saying we're going to get to the Jason segment of the show. Did he try it? Yes, I did. Without With a train. train? <laughs> no train, but uh, actually where I'm at now, there used to be a train uh, track that ran through the whole county here. <laughs> and close to where I'm at, there's actually a, what they, I guess a train trellis, they call it, the little bridge, because there's a creek mm-hmm. there. Well, you could just walk down the train track because after years went by, the train track was there, but no train. Mm-hmm. So you didn't worry about it. But we would go down there, and a lot of people would jump in the creek and play in the creek. We're like, and I'm thinking, Hey, let's do the Lost Boy things and hang out here from everything. What you hang there and you're like, I don't know if I could do this because I mean, even as a kid, I mean, you're young, you got you got a little bit of muscles, but after you're hanging there for a little bit, no, you're going down in the creek. And I'm like, you imagine with a freight train, it bounces. Uh-huh. Okay, as so it goes over that. Jason, God bless you. Hey, I, gotta, I'd gotta like stay entertained. I'd like I, to introduce a new segment to the VHS files. Did Jason it's called, do it? What did Jason try? So every every time we do a show, I want everybody to take notes of what point in the movie they think Jason tried something from the movie. And then at the end, we'll have our segment, and we'll have see ever, if anybody guessed right. 
Have you I didn't have one for the last episode for Ghostbusters. I didn't try to, you know, tame any ghosts or anything. I mean, we all acted like we did, but, but no, this one, when we got to that, I was like, I was thinking, oh, I get to do a Jason segment this week. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't done it, you have to. So, you know, for any future episodes, if you haven't done it, then but ours to. wasn't that high. I mean, literally, it was only like eight, ten feet down. I mean, not even that. After you're hanging down, it's even less feet. So, nice. I mean, and I, was, I was probably like a sizable young, water. Yeah, yeah, you, it was a little bit of a creek like that. So so deep, but it wasn't nothing. I mean, you're a kid. Remember, we used to jump out of trees. Sure. <laughs> so, but carrying but, on. Some of y'all jumped out of trees. <laughs> well, I love that after that, he, he lets go and then he falls through this abyss and the whole way they set that shot up where he falls on the bed and then magically it's two, two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And the way that whole thing is shot is really cool because it's, it's, it's basically almost all one shot of him falling on the bed, the door opening, the sun, all that stuff. Uh, but so now Michael's pre pre vampire, mm-hmm. and <laughs> when Sam figures out that Michael is a vampire, is one of the best, one of the best things about this movie. Yeah. I actually pulled a clip. Look at your reflection in the mirror. Your creature of the night, Michael, just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a goddamn shit sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. Sammy, wait. Sam. Goddamn shit sucking vampire. Uh, My favorite is your creature of the night, Michael. <laughs> he just says it so matter so of casually. Factly. Yeah. His night, innocence Michael. is is really endearing in this <laughs> movie. Is. You know, even though he 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 seems older than the character he's playing, he does he does do quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even before then, we get the, where Michael goes to the fridge to get you know some milk out, and it's like the hunger is hitting him. Yeah. After he's drank it there, and then of course we get like you said a nook to the rescue. He's getting that urge to go up there and feed on his little brother, and a nook, yep. and saves, nook saves the day. day. Yep. And I then it also j- leads to the milk carton that, if anybody noticed that, the picture on oh, the, the lost carton. child, yeah, Vladdy, yeah, the yeah. Mm-hmm. and the union jacket. I think so Jason you, Patrick plays this really well, though. Like he 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 for sure pulls off. Like he's struggling to not murder his brother right yeah. at this moment. Yeah, he's he's good in this for sure. And and even the 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 whenever they find him at the bottom of the stairs and mm-hmm. all of that, and I think all of that works really well. And <laughs> I kind of had a I was watching when he starts flying, and that seems a little odd to he's me. Floating at he's this not even point, flying. yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah, like, he's like, uh, he's just can't control his powers yet. It's like Spider-Man, you know. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it so, shooting is it like, his webs, you know. Yeah, is it like Superman, like, just started to float and then he figured out he could fly? But it seems weird because it's it's almost like he's being pulled out the window. So uh, almost in a sense, I was like, is this like them trying to, like, pull him back to them or something? But Well, it, no, it, I mean, it, I think it is metaphorical because yeah. his brother decides to trust him and let him in yeah, and, and pull him back in. I think there's definitely, I don't know if he's literally being sucked back at them, but he, he I feel like if he floats away, he's just going to be a vampire. You know, his, his brother saves him. It's from, so weird. in all of this conversation we're having that I'm, I'm here like getting all this metaphorical stuff from this movie that I've never really thought about before. 
about them trying to pull him away from them and Sam brings him back in and mm-hmm. it's, it's his brother. Yeah. That's the fun part about dissecting movies, man. Yeah. It's just like, it's so fun to just really do a deep dive and just look at everything. And you can kind of think of it, you know, cause like the movie, the lost boys, it's actually talking like the reason he went with that is the whole Peter Pan thing. The lost boys, you know, never grow old. You'll never yeah. die. And sure. remember you think you're happy thoughts or whatever you can fly. You know, and now Michael's floating right. out the window. So it's yeah. kind of ties it all, the whole Peter Pan thing in together a little with a vampire Definitely. twist. Yeah. But well, you know, who else is like Peter Pan? The whole reason they're home alone is grandpa is out delivering his latest taxidermy creation <laughs> to this widow. The widow Johnson. And uh, he's uh, got some intentions that are more than just business minded he's a dirty old you know man I mean? windex cologne <laughs> i love he's the windex after the windex after shave yeah, he gives it a sniff yeah that works <laughs> and you know what it's not that different it's really not no nah. I, I jenny I, I hope he satisfied that nice lady uh-huh I'm sure <laughs> there you go jenny bringing up the sex segment again she's jenny i think eric brought it up <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of sex Michael goes back to the cave, finds Star. And this is where we're going to talk about how Cry Little Sister plays into this movie, okay? Okay. So, <laughs> this is one of the sexiest scenes ever. And oh, nothing God. happens. It, it, and the song makes it the partly song. why. Like, the yeah. song works for this totally. point in the movie. Jenny, does Josh ask to play this song at, <laughs> at home? No, I do not. Okay. Oh, it's, it, it's happening now. Josh is going to do it. Yep. Maybe you should try it. I'm just throwing that out. There. So, but you know, it, it's the verses. It's the verses of the song as opposed to the chorus, where you've got the choir singing. But I don't know. Like, you really don't like the song. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, I just the music in this movie is such a big part of it that that just blows my mind. Yeah, and, I mean, and the, I, go ahead. Aaron. I don't like the choir. I think that's what they it is. probably do. Use it a lot more than they use that. That's the most used part of the song. Well, if you think the about it, there's not much of a quote unquote score to this movie. It's more or less the soundtrack that that gets you through it with the with the music. Yeah, so, there's a lot of music in it. So, and you're used to hearing a traditional score to move the, move everything along, where this time they relied on the songs more than the score. But that's why I think the songs are so good is because they can act as the score along with a, a pop song. Mm, yeah, I mean, I yeah. had so many female friends, like, in the school that would just tell you about that. It's like, oh, I, I, I want to be with a guy like that, you know, that way, that that whole shot in the movie of the, the music playing and everything, the, the little make out montage 80 style type thing they do there. It you feels know. like a music video. Yeah. It's and, like, a music and video. I think, <laughs> the, and I think that, sorry, Jason. No, ahead. no, you're, I'm just saying, it's just, I, I've heard that from even, you know, nowadays, you know, you get to talk into just a female friend or something about like movies like that. And they're like, Oh, I'll tell you what got me when I was uh, younger was that whole make out scene. And, uh, Lost Boys right there, you know, because some of them now the, talk about the whole or sparkly vampire thing, but uh, that how that is, but they're, but that was the original 
vampire makeout the original scene sexy right there. teenage vampires exactly um, Jenny, Jenny noticed something about. Yeah, you want to go there now? I mean, oh no, no, because I said no. It's in my notes <laughs> I know what you're too. About. It's in <laughs> my right. notes too. We'll get there. Okay. What so, do you guys think of the look of the, the uh, the hideout? I love it. I, okay, you, I really like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's very Goonies. It is right, <laughs> especially when the kids go down there. Uh, oh yeah, you know to to try to hunt them. Uh, where are we at chronologically? Sorry. <laughs> oh no, we were uh, after the makeout scene, and the mom is going to go and apologize to Max. Oh right. Because they now he's had they've had two uh, things ruined. So. Well, That's right. She calls and interrupts his. Yeah, remember, it? like Michael's well, trying so to kill s- me. Blah blah blah. She had to leave the restaurant. Just totally drove out on Max. <laughs> Didn't even say bye. I think we've she's a good completely mom. skipped over the dinner scene. No, that's coming up. No, that's coming up. That's okay. the dinner that's, where they go that's out That's basically right where we're at. Yeah, okay. we're getting... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because this is where Michael meets Max coming over for dinner. Yeah. And, and this is very smart, and this is definitely the first time I'd ever heard this about... Well, no, there, there's one thing I want to get to right before the dinner scene, and it's when Sam goes to the Frog Brothers. And he's mm-hmm. like, my brother's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull the clip for this as well. I started chasing my mom like the hounds of hell and vampires everywhere. We've been aware of some very serious vampire activity in this town for a long time. Santa Carla's become a haven for the undead. As a matter of fact, we're almost certain that ghouls and werewolves occupy high positions at City Hall. Kill your brother. You'll feel better. And if you listen to the clip, they're talking about vampires vampire activity in santa carla and i love that one of them says we even have good reason to believe that there are ghouls and werewolves and high high standards in city hall (laughs) (laughs) it's so good they're so serious they 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 play it so straight the whole time and that's why it works um but i love that whole exchange (laughs) this is you kill your brother you'll feel better it's like it's that simple just to kill (laughs) Kill my brother brother. (laughs) Which some kids in that at that age are probably like, yeah, if I did, I probably could kill my brother in my life. I would life love to kill my older brother. I mean, my little brother probably thought that all the time. I'm like, I kill my older brother. But then we yeah, go they, to, the, but then we got the dinner scene, and I love that they bring in the inviting a vampire into your house mm-hmm. thing, which we don't really know. We don't know that yet. Yet, but <laughs> it's it's such a great thing on Saint or on uh, Max's. It's such a tricky thing because mm-hmm. Michael doesn't know at this point how that works. So I, I think that is really good. Yeah. The, the way they of, pull that in there works really well. And as of watching it now, as you got older, I mean, like as not being a kid and you start paying attention to things. I mean, he's sitting there talking. You know, you notice he's not even break trying to break the threshold to get yeah. in the house. And he says, well, since you're the man of the house, I'm not coming in unless you invite me type thing. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, geez, right in our faces. Why did we not see this? <laughs> like, come on. Everybody knows you got to invite a vampire in your house. They can't come We in. do now. I wouldn't have. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't have as a kid watching this. But, uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, man, just right in our faces. But, yeah. But, but, up but, until that point, though, back then, we had no clue. We're just thinking he's just some goofy guy at a video store trying to hit up that, my mom. That dinner scene is great. Mm-hmm. That, And, again, the way they play that into – not just what we're seeing as a, as the movie going by, but the underlying mom trying to get into a new relationship style of things. Maybe the kid's a little bratty, bratty, and or, or doesn't right. isn't cool with this. Well, you're not my dad. Action. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
which is a great way to dress up what's going on there when that's li- yeah. literally it is the case, but it's got underlying motives behind it too. Yeah. Now this this one part of this dinner thing that I know me and Jenny have in common for our love of Parmesan cheese, uh, that is the thickest chunkiest Parmesan cheese I'd ever seen on spaghetti when he's There's spooning no it. Out. It was like that's not Parmesan cheese. You that is totally garlic. You could <laughs> garlic not. does not look like Parmesan. Garlic cheese. does not look like that at all. No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a hard time believing that was garlic. To be honest with you, I don't know what it was. It looks like oatmeal almost. <laughs> But it's not it's not garlic and it's not Parmesan cheese. That's why it didn't work. <laughs> and, and and to mine and Jenny's standards, that still wasn't enough Parmesan cheese on his spaghetti. He needed yeah. way more than that. We have yeah. we go Far through a can. <laughs> it's another good cat and mouse steer you in a different direction sort of things. Cause even us as the viewers at that point are like, okay, Max definitely isn't involved with this. And and yeah, I, think I think that's you, as a viewer, you you pretty much rule him out after that. You go, okay, yeah. it was there to you know, and let's see what's really what the real deal is, right? But did you notice when Max leaves after the whole water incident and nothing works? Did you watch Grandpa as he walks by? Oh yeah, he's Grandpa like gives eyeballing a few glances him like hard, like he think I think he thinks something's up. But from here we go to the bonfire scene, which is one of the best scenes in the movie. Oh yes. Uh. This entire setup, I don't know what, what. Well, I mean, he's looking for Star, but I don't know what he's entirely. Uh, Michael's motives are with going to David. Maybe, maybe he's starting to get that itch. I don't know, but where they take him from there, and you know, the initiation's over. Time to join the club. The way they set all that up, the tree, the tree not being very tall, just kind of ground level, mm-hmm. and then them. Again, swooping in the POV perspective, and you don't really, you still don't see them fly in, but you start seeing them tear these guys apart. And, and son, it would look dumb if they, if you saw them fly in. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing too is the moment in the tree. I mean, I don't know how y'all were the first time you see it because we really haven't seen the you know, vampires in our face in this movie yet, like that. And that shadow of David talking, and all you see is his spiked mullet going, which he has a killer mm-hmm. mullet in this movie, by the way. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. A couple of the uh, other guys in the gang do too. But mm-hmm. you see, all you see is just that dark shadow and the, the use of lighting right here when he says, you know, the initiation over, it's time to join the club. He just comes out of that shadow. I mean, I could tell you as a kid, I pulled back about two or three feet. Yeah. He Whoa. is intense in this movie. Kiefer yeah. is is legitimately, I think, scary in this movie at times, mm-hmm. and and he has this uh, weird uh, intensity that. So there's another thing Jenny doesn't like about this movie. I don't know. I oh, no. don't. You know, you're going back to vampires and lust and all this. None of these guys are attractive in this movie like none of the vampire guys no Kiefer Sutherland who is a good looking guy does not look good in this movie his mullet is stringy his <laughs> peach fuzz or whatever it's not any type of established facial hair he looks like shit like he's been on a three day bender the entire movie and if <laughs> if he was trying to draw me in. I'd be like, peace out, bud. I, I can certainly see that, Jenny. I have two questions for you. One, yes. the the 
not Alex Winters, but the other two guys, those were, I think, male models uh, that not really actors. I, I want to say that I read it that do it for me. You didn't, you didn't like those guys. Uh, and then what about Jason Patrick? I mean, he is hunky as he's, heck in this movie, right? He's all right. I'm talking about the vampires specifically. Like, well, he yeah. arguably is it becomes one. Yes. And he's okay. We'll get to this later, but anyway, yeah, I just don't, I just don't go for it. Hey, that's all right. And Alex Winter's gay mullet anyway. is ridiculous. <laughs> Alex Winter's mullet is something of legend with the curls. Uh, yeah. His oh, whole look dude. in this movie. His his costume. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that bike that 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 leather jacket he's wearing with all the colors on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's something else. That kind of leads to what Eric had mentioned earlier in the the discussion. <laughs> about what are you his, talking about? His, his frilly costuming. jacket. His costuming oh. and his frilly jacket were little undertones. Yeah. To these things, and I was just like, eh, I could totally see that now. That Eric- excellent dressers, but I was look great. I was a little shocked watching it this time, just to how gory the bonfire kills get. I mean, it they're does get gory, yeah. literally oh, ripping awesome. chunks of skin off people. Mm-hmm. And but I love how Michael finally knows for sure what's going on, and just Jason Patrick plays it well. I mean, he looks like he's genuinely like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and he is not about it. Not about Mm-mm. it at all. He's fighting it. So I think from here, right, Michael goes home and, like, he. This is when Star shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And she shows up and, like, he's genuinely freaked out. And he's afraid for himself and his family. And she should be like, bitch, I told you not to drink that damn wine. Yeah. (laughs) It's slap. But. um, So what exactly were her intentions? Are you going there with with this? No. Of why she showed up or. Yeah, like. Was she asking? Was she asking Michael to help her and Laddie, as in like, we're like you, give them victims or to help them get out? To get out, I think they were trying. Feel like kept they saying something out. about we're like you, you know, yeah, me and Laddie are, because they hadn't made. Because she explains that Michael was supposed to be her kill that night in the cave, and she didn't do it. Well, that's because why I'm wondering th- why why Michael responds the way he does because he just laughs it off. Like I feel like he thinks that's what she's asking is to supply them with food because well, I they're think he's, they're he, getting weak. I think he's he is blaming her for him being in that situation, which is yeah. fair. Yeah. But I, I think you know maybe she's been sort of uh, manipulated into doing that because she cares about this kid, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, they use the kid to get her, they use her to get him, kind of a thing. Yeah, I don't even know the order yet. I don't know who came first, uh, Star or Laddie. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, Laddie's got that missing thing out, so, I mean, I think yeah. we're to assume he's pretty fresh. I wondered if Laddie was, like, really old from the Civil War or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love he's got that Civil War jacket on. Dude, yeah. I love that jacket. <laughs> I thought he was, like, maybe a couple hundred years old or something. but uh, uh, He was on the back of the milk carton, so. Yeah. But I love when they're having their conversation and Sam is chiming in while they're talking and he's wrapped up under the blanket. It's so, you know, it's so 13 year old reaction to what's going on. (laughs) But I love it. He's like, I got connections and calls the frog brothers. Uh, But they swoop in like Rambo and GI Joe's that their outfits when they decide that they're going to go vampire hunting are amazing. 
I love. Yeah, it. they're gearing up like yeah. a couple of kids would gear up. Yeah. if they were gonna go hunt some vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just stuff around the house. You know, like. I mean, who didn't dress like that as a kid? I remember yeah, gearing right. up. I did. Just yeah, totally. Always like, would love. Mom, I need some new camo pants. It wasn't because I was going hunting. I just wanted to be like the people on TV. <laughs> so they show up. They're going to go after the vampires. And they borrow Grandpa's car. And I tell you, Corey Haim in the 80s loves to steal classic cars. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but they get there. And could they be any louder? Like, they <laughs> yeah, are just... Loud. Storming yeah, in. No, no element of surprise. No, they're, not they're, at we're all. here. <laughs> we're here. We're going to go this way. We're going to go that way. And geez. even when they actually get in the temple and they're looking for them, they're still they're screaming over one another. Yeah. It's like, I understand you're creatures of the night, <laughs> but how are you sleeping through this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like good thing they're heavy coma. sleepers for sure. Nocturnal, <laughs> nocturnal bats. And this all has a very With ugly ass toes. Well, and oh, you and actually have- you get a little bit of a change of the regular everyday vampire movie because it was always coffins, yeah. velvet lined coffins, the real you know Victorian type thing, Romania, all that kind of stuff. No, you're in a cave and we're hanging from a piece of pipe I with love, bat toes. <laughs> I love that they're hanging and yeah, sleeping cool. like that. It's but, such a you know, so fresh on what you're used to seeing in a vampire yeah. movie. Because they and changed, it's a great they, surprise too. You yeah, know? they got this movie changed the vampire genre after it. You look at all the other movies made after it that are meant they definitely. Changed. I mean, J- Joss yeah. Whedon even says that this movie influenced the Buffy series, and of course, you know, you can, you can see inspired the you, Buffy movie, but also, yeah, the the idea of the 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 two looks for the vampires, the normal human look, and then the kind of monstrous look. And I, I guess apparently, you know that I, I didn't watch Buffy, but the Spike character with the with the blonde, yeah, the hair, blonde hair, a lot like was David, kind of a bit of an homage to Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. So direct go. ties, definitely, definitely. So they stake and, Alex. And Jenny, I think this is your time. No, we, yeah. we got to stake Alex, aka yeah. Bill from Bill and Ted. Yeah, they <laughs> so. stake him. He's gushing blood everywhere. Wakes everybody else up. Everybody's screaming. You're dead meat. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's a good dude. That is dude. That voice when he yells that you're yeah. dead meat. You're like, whoa. Okay, I'm out. I'm totally but out. They do get out, and if you pay attention, you'll notice that the Frog Brothers are a little sparkly mm-hmm. when they have come out into the sun because the vampire's blood. Was sparkly now. Sparkly glitter blood. I feel like Twilight might have stolen something from mm-hmm. this oh, yeah, movie. Maybe a few vampires. things. Maybe a few things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, before that part, that part where they're crawling out of the tunnel, and yeah. David is grabbing Sam by the foot. Okay, th- this is the part I have about this now as an old, you know, because we break down movies like that's not real. They ripped the the top of a car off. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, he has a small boy's foot and can't just pull him out of his buddy's hands to pull he him into asleep. the sleep. Too much sunlight. He yeah. had just woken up from yeah. his slumber. I, I haven't had my human coffee this morning, right? You know, or this night, you know. But that whole part where the uh, sun hits his hand and that little zoom into David's face and you see the little tear. I mean, think about it, yeah. Jason. If you rolled out of bed at six o'clock in the morning, do you think you could go build a workbench? No. 
You got to wake up. You got to get you got to get in the you got to get your your mind going. You got to yes. get your physicality going. It's coffee, couple you can't, diet Dr. Pepper. You can't just you rip know. a you can't just rip a young boy's thigh off. <laughs> when you That's first what wake I'm up, saying. I'm like, I mean, can they rip the hood, the top of that car off? But they can't even just grab the boy by the not even ripping his leg off, just pull him out of his buddy's arms, you know, because they're little kids too. Just like, hey, come here, and throw him yeah. all the way across the cave, you know. But, That's fair. But the whole tear thing, you know, I thought that was, you know, like, hey, vampires feel too. They have feelings. But then when I was doing some research for this, I thought maybe linked to that scene is that the contacts they use. Were they burning said his they eyes. Were, they said they yeah. were so painful for everybody they could only leave them in for seconds. And I was like, maybe that's what it was. He had them in too long, and he zoomed in, and he's here going, get these <laughs> fucking contacts out of my eyes. Yeah. So, but, so, but vampires have feelings too. They can be hurt, and they have tears. Yeah, it shows that he's not in, indestructible. Exactly. So I love when the Frog Brothers come out, and they're all flustered. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, the 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 dialogue between the brothers is so funny. He's like, they pulled a mind scramble on us, so they opened our eyes in time. Like he pulls that shit off. <laughs> it cracks me up. They're so serious and it's so great. But I love that there's like, we don't ride with vampires. Bitch, you rode over here with a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> they got there. <laughs> well, yeah, how did they get there? I didn't see their bikes laying around. Yeah. So oh. and then he so almost drives off the cliff. Yep. <laughs> Burn rubber does not mean warp speed. So they got to go to plan B. And I love that this is 80s montage heaven right here. Mm-hmm. And this is A team. This is, yeah. you know, any movie yeah. in the 80s. If there was I something mean, you got to get you know, ready. Yeah, it's very Home Alone, really, but that comes yeah, right. Too. Yeah, very much. Yeah. They lie to the grandpa to get him out of the house, tell him the widow Johnson wants uh, second round. You know, got a taste of something she liked. Yeah. <laughs> totally playing on. Uh, I mean, I, I feel bad for Grandpa. He gets over there. He ain't getting any. She's like, what the hell are you doing here? Maybe he did. Well, maybe he did. He, he, if he's used some more Windex, uh, you know, aftershave, you know. She loves that Windex. Ladies it has love the that same Windex. effect tequila does. Makes your clothes fall off. Tequila. So, so they go. Cow. They set up Grandpa's house for Home Alone style, as Eric just referenced and it the house is the best scene the the best creepy feeling aura place to have this final battle scene and this is when we first see them actually the vampires actually fly for the first time and you can tell why they were reserved on that mm-hmm. hey i mean i think they knew it was kind of like the 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 shark and jaws like if you don't see it it's more effective yeah. because when you do see it <laughs> It's not that, that one great. shot is well, yeah. Yeah. I also heard that it was because of budget. Yeah. The seat, you know, trying to make them look like they're flying was uh gonna be costly. But I like you said, it's used, like any horror movies, like we've talked about this and other things like Halloween and stuff, it's the stuff you don't see that yeah. makes it scarier. But I think it was smart of them to hold it off to the end and then use, yeah. you know just for that little bit. Um, yeah, just let it go there and it's it's pretty effective here. I was always a little confused at how the one vampire flies in through the bottom of the fireplace. Did you notice that? Well, yeah, he comes he in right through the wall. <laughs> no, he comes through the wall. Well, oh, okay. he didn't any go through of them the... come He's in not Santa Claus. <laughs> without an invitation. No, no, no. That, oh, and, uh, uh, and I thought about that too, but there there's a back back door out of that one because you just render a vampire powerless if you don't invite them in. Doesn't mean they can't come into your house. 
They don't seem right, but they're powerless. not powerless when they come in. They weren't invited in. Mm. So we're saying no. That's what you're well, saying. I'm saying. You said, <laughs> you, oh, you said they're if you don't invite them, they're they're powerless, and they didn't no, invite maybe, them. Maybe it's because were, Michael is already a vampire, and now that's broken. Maybe. And they're not the vampires. head vampires. They're the soldier no, vampires. Listen to me, okay? They didn't invite David and his goons in. Mm-hmm. Therefore, David and his goons are not powerless. It's If you invite them in your house, it renders you powerless against them. So, like, if they would have invited David and the group into the house, they couldn't have killed them, or they wouldn't have... Like, like that's what that's where they're going with this. That's why it didn't work on Max. On that's, this segment, where Jenny wow. gets confused. I'm also confused, <laughs> Jenny. Don't. And now daggers are flying out her eyes, cutting the death of her husband. <laughs> but do you, uh, you, you get that now? Like... I get what you're, you're saying, Josh. Josh, you're I, I saying thought, that's why I, Max, the, the tricks don't work on Max because they invite him in. So right. You, you, those things aren't working. On right. I see what you're saying. It's the opposite of what I thought. And and I'm not trying to pick on you. It's because I thought the same thing. Like that was a thought that went through my mind when this started going down. It was like, wait, how are they coming in the house? They weren't invited. But if you get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's they only render the people against them powerless if they invite them in. So. They can still come in the house. It just means that they can. That's an open invitation. They can kill them. Yeah. Okay. So it's a little. First, first they have to run and save Nanook because Nanook is. Yeah, you better get your ass out there and save your dog. Yeah, yeah, that dog better. And it's a good thing they did. My God. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, again, he saves the day. But I found that a little odd too because. Sam loves this dog. You can tell throughout the movie he loves this dog. Oh, got it. Why did he even have Nook tied up outside? Yeah, why is she outside? Nook should have been. They had to take him out because of the vampire. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because Star and Laddie were there. They said you got to take him outside because he was trying Uh, to kill him. Nice. I love when we find answers on things. Your dog knows a a flesh eater when he smells it. (laughs) (laughs) So. Now but the va- the vampires the are the vampires are in and <laughs> I love the blonde guy who chases up traces the flo- the frog brothers in the bathtub scene. That's all great. <laughs> but I love after they kill him. Uh I don't remember which brother it is, but they're like They don't kill him, first of all. Or well, yeah, true. A nook. No- well, the nook helped a little. <laughs> <laughs> but uh what do they say? Uh I wrote it down. <laughs> we trashed the one that looks like Twisted Sister. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some great effects in that bathtub as well. Yes. Yeah. All, all these all these scenes are all these uh, you know, death s- s- scenes in this part are so well done. Death by stereo. Well, death by stereo. He exploded. Mhm. I like how every vampire has a different death and they yeah. say that, right? Like yeah. you're going to get a different experience with each one. <laughs> and uh, that's so fun to just go, yeah, instead of the same thing happening, we don't know what's going to happen. Every time you kill one, maybe this will happen. Maybe they'll explode. Maybe, you know, you don't know. I just love how after they kill the first one, he, is, he haunts the plumbing through the whole rest of the house. And you can <laughs> yes. see Michael and him looking in the kitchen, when the, the, the opening doors in the kitchen, and you just see everything flying everywhere. All the blood out of the drains. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just like, man, that, that house plumbing's totally destroyed. One Very vampire. it. <laughs> I love when Laddie comes tearing up out of the bed and runs away. <laughs> attack of Eddie Monster. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. The attack of Eddie Monster. <laughs> it's 
so good. Which is interesting because, you know, Laddie's not a full vampire, yet he changes. And so does Michael Mm -hmm. later. Jamie Gertz is the only one who doesn't get ugly. Yeah. Yes. In this movie. They're like, no, we need her to be pretty. Yeah. Can't do that. Don't mess up Josh's (laughs) thing there. Since Kiefer Sutherland wasn't very pretty, they had to keep somebody pretty in it. And, you know, speaking of Kiefer Sutherland, Michael prevails in the end, stakes him on some antelope horns. He dies like he is having an orgasm. Well, we don't know how long he's been alive. Maybe he was ready to let go. Yeah, maybe. Well, Michael does penetrate him. (laughs) Yeah. There's that underlying (laughs) stuff. Sorry, guys. But I don't know if you, y'all noticed, like, even when they're in the house, even throughout the movie and throughout this whole thing, they, if you look behind a lot of people, there's a set of horns everywhere. I mean, because yeah. not only that, Grandpa does taxidermy, but I think that kind of led you to see how somebody was going to die. Like Definitely. a little foreshadowing. I mean, horns, you're, you're, horns. Yeah, you're, horns. You're, horns. <laughs> your environment is surrounded with spikes and you're a bunch of vampires. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, a, a nice setup and, and, and payoff there. But that's a good little fight scene, even before he stakes him on the antelope, antelope horns. I, you know, the I like when David flies at him so fast and punches him in the face and then <laughs> is across the room. <laughs> I want to do that. I want to like fly at somebody, punch him in the face, and get on the other side of the room yeah. before they can even blink. But they but reserve hey, they reserve the flying for this part. And I, no. you know, as bad as the insert shots look, like I like that they kind of give us a little bit of a battle flying I don't around think it like looks this. Bad. It, it um, doesn't bother me. And even when they have to go to the shots that aren't inserts, like you can tell they're they're probably on a, um, a cart or something moving, and it's supposed to look like they're flying. I think they do really well shooting that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it I looks pretty a, natural. I do I have a question for Jenny. Now, after he dies, you know, he goes all pretty boy. If you notice that he's clean shaven, he baby looks much face, better dead. Baby face, okay. So you like dead David over? <laughs> <a lot. laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I think that's nice David. when we get that because you're reminded that he was a person. Yeah. You know, and and Max does care for these kids in his own twisted yeah, way. Yeah, when he finally like, They're a up. family as well. You know, mm-hmm. the, he's a single dad with four boys, you know, and he's looking for a mom for them. He's, you know, yeah, it's a decent villain with proper motivations. You know what yeah, I mean? You, could, yeah, you totally see it in his face when he goes under and he sees David, even though we still really haven't figured oh, out yeah. if you've seen it. But the way he's looking at him, you just see, like, I, I just lost a child. Yeah, yeah. He cares about him, for sure. Well, and we get more red lights here. I just want to point out the red oh, lights. Oh, yeah. Lots of red light. Lots. I love the red lights. Love the red lights. And honestly, when when Michael vamps out, he looks pretty fucking freaky. He's the ugliest one of all of them. <laughs> like, whereas I would say, out of the vampires, Jason Patrick is the most attractive. He is the ugliest transformed vampire like there's something like extra about the prosthesis and the makeup I mean, that they do the for lead, him you know you gotta it's really just, make him he's just extra ugly yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought it was kind of smart too to to make us think that they took max out of the picture and the running for the head vampire stuff and then at the end you're like okay somebody's still you know they're still vampires so somebody is still around and they almost set it up like maybe Max could come along and save the day at the end. But mm-hmm. then, like, like this is probably one of the first times where I was was a little 
taken aback by the twist that something happened that I didn't see coming. Um, and and when and when Edward Herman changes, and he does that, you know, but I haven't changed my mind about that. And he sticks yeah. his <laughs> he sticks his tongue out. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, get me he, started about that. That's another segment. <laughs> he's recruiting her to be mother of vampires. Yeah. Well, he and wanted I, her boys, his boys. But I, I love that they've dressed all of this up so well that Diane, Lucy is like, has everyone gone crazy? What's the matter with yeah. all of you? <laughs> yeah, she's trying to catch up. But, and then Grandpa comes in and saves the day. Now, this is where I, I have to bring up the question, like, how the hell did Grandpa know? And... <laughs> Jason, you alluded to this earlier that he was scoping Max out in the house. But what is it that possessed Grandpa? I'm going to back my truck up real fast into the doors of my house because there's a vampire there. Like, that's the one thing that never really sat well with me is how the fuck did Grandpa know? Well, that's the thing. We don't know because if we had camera, maybe he walked up to the house and saw what was going on. Then he said, hey, I got all these spikes I just made for my fence. And I know from living here that the only way to kill a vampire is to put a stake through them. So, therefore, I'm going to shoot stakes into my house. And yeah. may, hopefully I hit one or two. I mean, I Could guess that's definitely plausible. Well, those stakes, I mean, if you noticed earlier, he was making the a fence. fence with yeah. the points up. Yeah. So, yeah. he, I think he knew, like I said, uh, yeah. Grandpa knew more than what we thought. Well, that's where we get our, our closing line of this movie. And I think it's a great line that they close on. One thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. I love this ending. It's, and I, it doesn't go anywhere else from there. It's just, that's the end of our movie, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that's the best way you could have ended it. Yeah, and the look on their faces is just yeah. a nice little comedic punch right at the end and mm-hmm. leaves you with a smile on your face. And, and when you go back and think about all the things that the Grandpa had drops. said... Throughout the movie, I love that cover of "People Are Strange" by Echo and the Bunny Men. That's it's really good. That's Lost Boys in a nutshell. I mean, uh, yeah, is it worth a rental? Absolutely. Jason, worth a rental? Always a rental, all the time. Eric, worth a rental? Definitely, great movie. Didn't you have to rent it, it to watch it? <laughs> worth a rental, and I did rent it. Yes. <laughs> there you go, keeping it real, man. <laughs> He takes his job seriously, folks. That's right. All right. It's time for Almost Famous. Almost Famous. Yeah, I know that, dude. I don't know them. Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What was that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? So we got a long list of people here. Uh, you got Kiefer Sutherland. Everybody in this movie was relatively unknown at this time. A couple of people had done some movies. Uh, I think Jason Patrick had done some theater and whatnot, and was in a couple of movies, but you've got Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Patrick, Corey Haim. This is really kind of his first first movie, per se. Corey Feldman. Um, Alex the, Winter. Alex Winter. Actually, Corey Haim was in Silver Bullet first. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah that. you're right. So, Which I think is one of the things that's great about this movie, and with a lot of other movies in the eighties is you actually have young people playing young people. Yeah. Like, whereas maybe they are slightly older than their characters. They're still young. Like Jamie Gertz 
is young in this movie. I don't yeah, know how old she was, but she's got a baby face. Yeah, yeah and so does Kiefer. I, yep. we, we're definitely better here than we were in Teen Wolf. Yes. That. Yeah, with the <laughs> 20, sure. nearly 30-year-olds playing high school kids. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I... I, I I have I have two that I think would would kind of hold the almost famous position in this one, would, and and we can go back and forth. But I mean, I'm I would say Jason Patrick or Alex Winter. I mean, I don't I agree, think I agree with the Jason Patrick. I mean, Alex Winter is definitely a contender for that spot in this, but he did go on to do Bill and Ted, and. I think when you see him, you would know him from Bill and Ted. Whereas Jason Patrick, even though he's the lead in this and he went on to do a few other things that weren't so good, like I think he's maintained the, the almost famous status out of everybody. The only other movie. big movie I remember him doing after this was Speed 2. I know he's in other movies, but I remember him from Cruise Speed 2. Control. Which was yeah. a terrible oh, movie. Right. Yes, yeah, terrible. Right. But that's Isn't really there like Narc, Narcs or something. I don't know. And I know he, oh, did, I know. Solar, he did Solar Babies before this with yeah. Jamie Gertz. Yeah, and that's how Jamie Gertz got the roles because of that. But well, that's really all I know. Yeah, so I would go almost famous that. Honestly, you could go yeah. Jamie Gertz as well. I didn't even yeah, consider that. That's I mean, true. Yeah, I don't know. I think Jamie Gertz has been in more things. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think if you said Jamie Gertz, the first Jamie thing Gertz people is. might go to would be like Twister at this point. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you would know her from something. I Jason Patrick. I don't think you have that luxury with. Mm-mm. I feel like I, me personally, I knew who Jason Patrick was. I didn't know who Jamie Gertz was. If you t- asked me who is Jamie Gertz, I wouldn't have said, oh, she's the girl from XYZ. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. But that's, you know, that's just me. And I'm I'm weird that way, I guess. Right. It's okay. Because yeah. we know why you watched Lost Boys. It was the saxophone guy. I mean, you didn't care about Jamie Gertz. <laughs> I forgot anyone else was in this movie. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Those purple spandex pants yeah, with the Tim, chains. Because, you know, Chain. Eric <laughs> still believes... Every day that Tom uh, Capello is going to come over and say hello. <laughs> so this is, this is a, uh, this is Friday night fright fest, uh, October. So, I mean, we're talking horror movies, so, uh, it's going to bring back a segment from the last one that we just introduced. Top kills. Top kills. Who wants to start with top kills tonight? I want to start. Um, mine is the death by stereo. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one. Full on explodes. That. It's such a great after the kill line. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. It's funny. We just watched this YouTube video about best lines before someone dies or after someone dies yep. on YouTube. And that wasn't on there. Nope. That's a travesty. We should yes. write a comment. That list absolutely. is void in my mind. Then, Cause Incomplete. that's one of the best ever. Uh, and there's a deleted scene that kind of plays more into that too. There's a deleted scene where Sam's hooking up the stereo. And if you watch when they do that scene, they do a quick cut to the back where there's all these plugs and this one multiple plug juncture. Oh, I didn't notice. In the in the deleted scene, he's setting up the stereo and it's sparking like that because he's plugged so much stuff into it. So it kind of leads into that. National Nice. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, trying to hook up the Christmas lights. Jason, what's your top kill? Uh, mine for this one is going to be the whole bonfire scene of when they, they swoop down to eat the people at the bonfire. And that whole, the, the one that sticks out to me of the bonfire, though, is when David takes a b- bite out of that guy's skull. 
Yeah. And he you're bites just his like, head. I mean, <laughs> just. And you're like, whoa. And then, they're, of course, they're ripping people apart and then throwing all the bodies in the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's pretty brutal for just a little vampire movie that's not, you know, some mass serial killer. So, I would yeah, they say, laid waste to that. I say that's party. my favorite top kill. Eric, how about you? I'm going to go with the bathtub kill. Uh, Nanook nice. to the rescue again. Yeah. Um, valuable member of the cast. And uh, just some great effects. Uh, the I love the concept of a bathtub full of holy water. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, uh, the double scare. You get a double scare out of it where he comes out the second yeah. time. Uh, so, yeah, lots of mileage on that one. That's my favorite. Garden and I love work. You touched on the the holy water thing. I love that they have it in their squirt guns, and that becomes so effective on on defending themselves against them. Um, My top kill would be, in particular, you you brought up the bonfire scene, but in particular mine is is David biting that dude's head. Because the way he just chomps down, and then you have that spray of blood that's like you would have just bitten into a fresh apple, and that little mist would come off. Like I, I I thought that kill was so creative. So that's definitely my top kill. Also, pressurized blood is always great. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of good death death scenes in this Mm -hmm. for sure. So and and again, I was very surprised at how how gory some of them do get. Yeah, and all the effects really hold up. Like Mm -hmm. yeah, all the practical stuff looks really good. Mm Mm-hmm. The makeup work and the blood and gore and stuff. I think that all of that hold up today. Maybe the flying scenes, not as much, but the rest of the movie. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. Good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, the ugly. Go, Eric. Jenny went first last time. Go, Eric. Okay. Good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, I'm going to say the family dynamic. Uh, the mom and the boys. I, I think that is the heart of this movie and it's yeah. why you care about the characters and, and you're, you're just on their side immediately. As soon as you meet them, you can tell that they've been through some stuff together and they're still going through some stuff together and they're trying to start fresh and you're rooting for them. So that's my good. Bad is going to have to be Corey Feldman's voice. Uh, I just, it just bugs me. I just wish he, you can play that role straight without doing a voice. It what planet are you natural from? Krypton? It bothers me. <laughs> uh, ugly. I'm going to say the bizarre age stuff with uh, Corey Haim. Just weirdly acting younger than he is. It just, it's a, just a weird I can't think of another example <laughs> of a film where that happens, where you're like, why is this person acting like a young child? Uh, so that's that's my ugly. All right. Who wants right. to go next? Jason? I'll go. Okay. Uh, see, my good, uh, It's I, I'm going to go for a twofer on this one. Uh, Cheater. The soundtrack, even if Jenny <laughs> totally disagrees. Love it. And the cast, because even Joel Schumacher said said it was he thought he had the best cast. Yeah, of like he any did. Movie it is, is a great cast. The, yeah. the people, like all the people in this movie, are fantastic at what they do. As far as just their star power or what they, a lot of them went on to do. But yeah, but it, of the two though, soundtrack. Sorry, Jenny, but uh, I, I feel that's going to be her ugly. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> bad for me is. Max as a vampire. Oh, that is horrible. That the 
you like, but she'll change my mind. That right there, I was like, that still gets me to this day. I mean, even as a kid, I think I laughed. Like, this is, movie's been kind of creepy and scary with a few little bitty comedy bits, you know, there. Yeah. But him and, the, and his overall look, his, his makeup, I think, is the worst out of all the vampires. His, he's, he doesn't even have a forehead. He has a five head. His hair yeah. is all the way up here. It's like a six head. It is a very drastic change from the shot you see him yeah. directly before he changes. It's pretty around. over the top. Like, yeah, it's yeah. very bad. With the tongue and everything, it is like kind of elevated to a... Yeah. I, I kind of like it, though. i got to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. But my yeah, ugly, because I actually think it's worse than what Eric, uh, Eric just said is Corey Feldman's I think I want to be Rambo for the rest of my life and I'm going to talk like this through the whole freaking movie because Joe Schumacher said it's going to work and it really didn't. I sound like a dumbass through this whole movie. Look at my red bandana. Oh yeah, all the girls are going to love me. Love you, Rambo. You're slipping into Macho Man there a yeah. little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, bone saw's ready. Oh yeah. We'll snap it to a slim gym. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's my ugliest where Eric was just bad. That's the ugliest is his acting. Nice. So I'm good. Jenny. My good is the look of the vampires just in general. Um, the kind of half monster thing I really enjoy. Uh the bad, the bugs is food. I just I don't need it in any movie. It it kinda it takes me out of movies that it's in a lot because I have to look away. I can't watch it. And then I have to come back, you know, but I'm still thinking about what I didn't see. So yes, very bad. Um, the ugly. That song. (laughs) (laughs) I got it right. It's not the entire soundtrack. It's that song. And I think I've pinpointed throughout this time that it is the kids singing the choir it's, yeah the choir i it sounds like creepy kids and i don't like creepy kids in movies so is that I'm why out. you don't like my kids i like your kids they're oh. not creepy <laughs> well, Char- damn son charlie's a little creepy <laughs> little nanook <laughs> josh little so nanook is a sweetheart go ahead uh, good for me is like Jenny's the vampire aesthetic in general in the movie. I love the contacts. I love the teeth. Like the pl- even so much as like the placement of the teeth. Yeah, it's because different. Mm-hmm. because normally the vampire teeth would be your the canines that mm-hmm. would grow and they have them like right next to the to your front two teeth mm-hmm. in this one. I always thought that was very unique mm-hmm. in how they did that, and just the the way their faces change and the bone structure and all that changes when they vamp out. I I. I I think that's what really makes this movie a, a very standout vampire movie. The bad is uh, Sam's wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's wardrobe in this movie is just god awful, god awful. <laughs> and He's I and an I, 80s fashion victim. Yeah, and, and absolutely. The, and I the watched shoulder pads. Yeah, and I watched some of the. Um, they did like a behind the scenes thing, and there's a lot of interviews with Joel Schumacher in that, and he said his. His idea for Sam was he's this this small kid who's now in a 
in a rural area and he just sticks out like a sore thumb where like if he were in California proper, he'd fit right in, but he's in this podunk area of Santa Carla and he doesn't quite fit into that mold. Mm -hmm. I see why they did it, but God, it's bad. It's so bad. The shoulder pads with the trench coat. Yeah, pulled up design. sleeves or yeah. pushed up yeah. sleeves. That's stuff. <laughs> pretty horrible. And Corey Feldman is lying in that. If you're looking for the diet frozen yogurt bar, it went out of business last month or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the ugly is in in particular Sam's pajamas the next day at breakfast after he finds out Michael's a vampire with the little stick figure kids on it with the. Oh. It is I didn't think so... that was pajamas. I thought that was a shirt. Whether it's pajamas or it's his actual wardrobe, whatever. That is, I'm sorry, Sam's wardrobe is getting hit over the head multiple times from me. Again, he's <laughs> dressing like a small child. Yeah. So that would be my good, the bad, and the ugly. And then our last segment is staff picks. Attention for this week's staff picks. Attention this week's staff picks. Staff picks. Staff um, picks. I'm going to start with staff picks tonight. Being that we're talking about a vampire movie, I'm going to go with a vampire TV show. Can you guess which one? What We Do in the Shadows, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I I love the movie What We Do in the Shadows so much. And when I found out they were doing a TV show based on it without the same characters, I was a little perturbed. Because Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement and, and the other guy that are that's in What We Do in the Shadows... They that movie is so good, and I would even throw that out there for my staff pick. But the TV show, I thought I was going to hate, and I avoided it. And we have been watching it, and oh my god, it is hilarious! Fantastic. The episode we just watched had uh, Mark Hamill as a guest on it, and that whole episode was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you like vampires, if you liked the movie, what we do in the shadows and you were a little, you know, taken aback by that, they weren't using the same cast. Watch the TV show because well, that's it me, is very Josh, good. Because I love the movie and I have not watched the TV show because I figured it was just a knockoff and I wouldn't yeah, like it. That's exactly it, why I haven't watched the TV show. So now I have to watch it. Good and I'll even staff picks. And I'll even give you a spoiler, like the Taika Waititi oh, and Jermaine Clement's character do show up in the TV show. Oh, nice. So that'll give you another reason to kind of watch. But it, it's a great TV show. I, I laugh my ass off every time we watch an episode of it. Mm-hmm. Jenny, your staff pick? My staff pick is also a TV show. It's a documentary, though. It's The Vow on HBO. It's about... The Nexium cult. I don't know if anybody out there knows what that is. I did know about it before the show. Um, but it's if you find cults interesting at all, I would recommend it because the way that it's presented, you know. Are you recommending the cult or the? <laughs> I'm recommending the show. I need to go join cult. a cult now because Jenny <laughs> said it's all good to do. You can join Jared Leto's cult. He's got one. Yeah. Oh my Let's God. not talk about that. Um, but the way that they present this documentary, you know, it's going to end up bad in the end because they're not making a documentary about a cult for good reasons. Yeah. You know, they didn't like save the world or anything. It's not a good cult. It's not a good cult. Nah. Um, so. And Jenny and I are watching they, it together and it's, 
it's funny they they get you in roped into the show with the stuff that this these people were preaching and what got people into it and yeah, it's like it's, wow this really does sound kind of cool it's smart the way they do it because even throughout all the bad stuff spoiler alert there's bad stuff in a cult um that they're doing they are continuing to show you like propaganda from the cult and it's really is interesting and you can see how someone could get sucked into it because a lot of the principles that they talk about are based in psychology and they're just twisting them to their advantage um, to, you know, make you think that you need them above everything else in your life. But I would highly recommend it. It is fascinating. And what's it called again? The vow. And if anybody out there that would be listening are fans of the CW show Smallville, this kind of got some some headway in the news because a couple of the people from that show were involved in this, uh, namely the girl who plays Chloe and the girl who plays Lana Lang. Um, they were so involved this is like in a this. sex cult. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's kind of that. how this is. That's one reason it got a little because they they prey on famous, beautiful people. people so. Yeah, I mean it's we've been watching it and we are we are hooked on it right now and I can't wait to see where it ends up. I know it's going to be a bad place, but it's definitely something that we've been drawn into. Not the cult, the show. Not the cult, not the sex cult. Jason, staff pick. Oh, my staff pick. I just finished up on Netflix. I'm going with uh, the newly acquired show by Netflix. We'll get a third season next year. Uh, Cobra Kai. On Netflix, because I wanted some uh, old school Daniel LaRusso, Mr. Miyagi feel going on, and I've read good things about it, and I just hadn't checked it out. So I've recently binge watched season one and two on Netflix. Uh, I believe it was originally a YouTube show. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I, I really want to go do practice my crane kicks in the backyard now. <laughs> but it's a cool show because it picks up years later. Uh, good old Johnny, the the bad guy, quote unquote, because I think we've had this discussion. Who was really the bad guy, Daniel or Johnny? That is, it's uh, had a rough go at it, and uh, Daniel has prospered, owns a whole bunch of car dealerships and stuff, and and it's been a good watch. It, it's, it really takes you back because you get all these flashback scenes too of their match from the original Karate Kid movie. Uh, it's even a couple from even Karate Kid 3. Hmm. Uh, wow. Back when Daniel actually joins Cobra Kai because they trick him into it. But uh, it's definitely a good trip down memory lane. Even though all these characters are older and everything, uh, it really takes you back to when you were a kid and you were watching Mr. Miyagi train Daniel and everything because – Daniel himself decides to take a, a, a kid that's, a, you know, been picked on like Mr. Miyagi did with Daniel and takes him under his wing and starts Miyagi-Do and does a dojo. And But even though it's, the show's called Cobra Kai, it does focus mainly on Johnny and him restarting Cobra Kai, even after all the bad things his sensei did to him. He starts it all up because he wants to be cool and everybody needs to kick ass. So I've never heard the words kick ass and so much 80s hair metal played by mm-hmm. one guy. That's I mean, he literally Johnny is still stuck in the 80s. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't know what the Internet is. He doesn't know what Wi-Fi is. He thinks, you know, if you do it, you're a wuss. Uh, so that's funny. Yeah, I, I, 
Go ahead, Josh. If you're going to, I, say I was just going to say I started watching it. I started watching the first episode the other day, and I kind of, I kind of stopped, and I wanted to put it, put it all. There's been a lot of buzz about this lately because it's now I've on seen Netflix. some of that as well. Yeah, I've heard lots of good things about and, it, and uh, I kind of wanted to hold off on it until we got to where we were talking about Karate Kid, so I could kind of go into it a little bit yeah. with that. So. I just thought because I kept seeing it and needed something to watch in between what we do here for the show. And I, I, I binge watched it. It was a really good watch, some good dramatic moments, some life lessons learned in there. You see Johnny learn, but uh, I recommend go out. If you just want to kind of relive some of the childhood feelings from when you watch Karate Kid one, two, and even three, you know, but not the next Karate Kid. Yeah. Not that one or not here one with one. Jackie Chan. No, definitely <laughs> not. But uh, it's it's a good watch. I recommend it. Cover Kai on Netflix. Cover Kai. All right. Last but not least, Eric. Uh, for me, it's going to be another Netflix show. Um, Ricky Gervais's Afterlife. Um, he he writes, directs, and stars in uh, this uh, kind of dramedy. Uh, he plays a guy who loses his wife to cancer. Hmm. I think. And uh, it's a very sad show. It's about grief. And, um, but it's also very funny. Uh, I, I like a lot of British panel shows. And if you do too, uh, you'll, you'll see some familiar faces in the show. Um, and uh, it's, it's really well written. He, he's great in it. Um, he kind of gives up on his life. He's sort of su- suicidal, uh, but he, he does not care about social norms anymore. So he basically, that brings a lot of comedy into it where, you know, he basically says whatever's on his mind all the time because he doesn't care. He doesn't care mm. if he dies. He doesn't care about anything anymore. Wow. Um, but it is, it's a sad show. It might make you cry or tear up, uh, but it's, uh, it's really smartly written and, and uh, I like all the performances in it. And uh, it, it's got two seasons up there. They're not long. I think they're, maybe eight episodes each. So it's not like some big undertaking and there's a third season coming. So uh, it's a great show. A nice little change of pace from some of the stuff, you know, some of the more intense stuff that we watch a lot, you know, yeah. crime stuff yeah. or whatever. And it's, it's really just about people and about relationships and about life. And it's a good, it's a good watch nice. for sure. All right. Well, I, I wanted to, close out the show on a brief little thing here. Um, Jenny and I lived in Virginia for a brief period of time uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, to be quite precise. And when we were there, um, you know, we still, we had our love for our, our, our movies and there was a uh, independently owned video shop there by the name of narrow expanded cinema. These people had anything you could ever want in this video store. It wasn't like your blockbuster. I mean, this was like a literal library of movies and they were really big in the community there. We went there all the time. We were constant customers. They always allowed dogs in. And it was really kind of, it's it's the spirit of what we're about here. And I just kind of wanted to bring them up because the past couple of years, they they had been forced to, to shut their doors. Uh, people aren't renting movies anymore. And I, I found an article that, uh, you know, all these movies they had, they had in storage after they had to close their doors and they have donated, donated all of the videos they had there at the narrow to old dominion university in Virginia to be free to the public. Sweet. And it it struck a chord with me and because of what we're doing and talking about the movies we love and our, 
you know, love for being able to go do that. I just thought it'd be good to bring that up and say we really we really missed the narrow. That was one thing about Virginia that if I could have taken it with me, it would have been that. And uh, I think it's really cool what they did and, and making their their collection available to the public for free now since they can't, you know. Yeah. But it, uh, it was always a place where they actually knew who you were yeah. coming in. And that's really hard to find nowadays um, that personal connection with someone who owns a business Mm -hmm. and you felt like they were in this because they absolutely loved every second of what they did. They loved movies. They wanted to bring movies to other people. Um, They had everything separated by genre you, it was like a maze in there. You literally had to ask them every nook and cranny to of find that place. a movie. Yeah. If it was anything that wasn't going to be like a new release or a more popular yeah, they known have, movie, you uh, you needed to ask. They had them. foreign film sections separated by French and German and all this stuff. Like, and the that thing sounds amazing. And they were very knowledgeable in the fact that you could go to them and be like, "I'm looking for this movie with this guy," and blah blah, and they could find it for you. They were basically human index cards as, as far as that, that store went. And that place left a very big impression on me. And I was very sad when I heard that they had to close their doors. It was like a part of my part of my, even though I didn't go there as a child and it wasn't my video store as a child, like a part of my childhood just kind of felt like it weeped away there when I heard that they had to close their doors. So I just wanted to give a shout out to the narrow expanded cinema in Virginia. Anybody, if anybody that listens to our show has been, you know, is from that area, you know what I'm talking about. That place was amazing. So I just wanted to call it out because it deserves it, but that'll do it for this episode of the VHS files talking lost boys. And, um, so next week we'll be coming back to continue the Friday night fright fest in October. And we're talking, a horror comedy next week. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. We're here for your daughter, Chuck. <laughs> so please Go for your daughter, Chuck. stay tuned next week for Beetlejuice. We will have that out for you. And then uh, we'll be doing another childhood one that we've actually gotten a lot of requests for after that. So um, tune in next week to find out what that movie will be. But until then, like we do every episode, close it out with Be Kind, Rewind. It's over. You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It was fun. (laughs) Email us your comments, questions, and movie suggestions at the.vhsfiles at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at VHS Files Podcast. Don't you blame the movies! On Instagram at VHS.Files. Movies don't create psychos! On Twitter at VHS underscore files. Movies make psychos more creative! And head over to our YouTube channel at the VHS Files Podcast for more content. Thanks for listening. kind of glad we stopped there because i was i i i was trying to say if kenny g was a bodybuilder but i couldn't think of kenny g's name it's a twister it's a twister we have cows <laughs> <laughs>
Best but, line in the whole movie. 